Welcome to Vanguard Radio. Stormfronters head to Crawford, Texas, TNB, and TJB. Back to our top story uh, tonight, uh, Katrina rocks New Orleans. Uh, we have an article here, 7,000 Army troops began swooping into flood-ravaged New Orleans yesterday as more than 10,000 survivors escaped the nightmare of Hurricane Katrina. President George W. Bush, stung by criticism of a slow disaster response, ordered the deployment as relief workers began retrieving the first of what may be up to 10,000 rotting corpses. Sick, exhausted, and traumatized refugees met the arrival of troops and desperately needed food, water, and medical care with relief, but also anger that they had taken so long to arrive. I'm sure you guys have been watching the pictures uh, on the Internet and also on TV. I don't know. Alex? Well, it looks like to me that, uh, first of all, it wasn't really the nature that did it. It was a levee giving way, and that was not maintained by the government, which is incompetent as usual. 
uh, even when it's not overtly trying to do something that hurts the average white people of the country, such as immigration or starting wars in Iraq. It's incompetent to maintain levees to keep an underwater city from, from flooding, essentially, or a city located six feet below ground. But more directly, what everybody's seeing is typical savage Negro behavior. These obese, stupid people are left, and, you know, they're on one hand, they're bitching about why do you not save in their ass? On the other hand, A, they didn't leave beforehand, and B, they're shooting at the, at the rescuers as they come in. And I guess the other main thing you'd make is the, uh, the Mayor Nagin, who uh, left all the buses to underwater that could have taken the remaining people out of the city and went off in a profanity-laced tirade against uh, Bush and the rest of them. And uh, it's pretty pitiful, really. Worst of all, the media covering it up and... You know, trying to make it look like something other than what it obviously is, which is blacks are basically hours away. The minute you take the cover off, they're back to African savagery, just as Pierce wrote about in the Turner Diaries. And uh, pretty much anyone can see that. Yeah, for me, uh, I know a lot of people have seen Kevin Costner's big flop, Waterworld, which they filmed over in the Big Island, and uh, he charged him a... They charge him a lot of money, <laughs> overcharge him. I'm sure. I think he racked up 200 million. Well, this is what this is like: Zambezi Waterworld to me. Uh, essentially, I think it's a highly entertaining, and uh, because I'll tell you, it proves and shows visually what's going to happen in this country when people who are not of our culture and who don't have our values flood this country, take over with their systems, as, for instance. Uh, in Los Angeles and California, all through uh, Aslan, the uh, uh, SPICs have done, where they essentially have Central American laws and, and policing agencies. Here in New Orleans, we saw the cops uh, actually loot, just take part in the looting themselves. And this is quite common. That levy uh, organization Alex mentioned, uh, they, they had a levy board there that actually bought casinos and private jets. It was enormously corrupt, and the federal government did take money away from them, I guess, or stopped giving them money sometime around June of this past year. But uh, it, it's not so much that. I mean, there, there, there's a confluence of, of teaching elements in all of this. For instance, they're talking about these, these niggers were uh, entitlement niggers or something. Well, you know what? It's when when I heard them talking about it on shortwave radio. When they say entitlement, uh, for a, for an instant, I actually thought they were talking about people like Sheratoff and Bush, because they they said entitlement. And and then I realized it's like two levels of entitlement. There are overlords who think that they're entitled to uh, these sinecures and, and and these rights and these special rights, and to uh, essentially dictate to the to the enormous swaths of white people in this country, how things will be. And then there are the underclass, so-called underclass, although these days on welfare, perhaps not in, in a poor state like uh, Louisiana, but they do get essentially around 40000 a year, depending on what their, uh, you know, how many kids they popped. So uh, it's as if there's two levels of entitlements, and the people caught in the, in the middle are the diminishing middle-class whites of this country. And now with the gas thing, you know, I'm surprised even The Economist magazine just won't address it. I'll tell you, Warren Buffett last year sold the dollar short, and if I'm not mistaken, he lost about $300 million doing it, and he's still doing it. He's selling the dollar short, and he's buying silver. And uh, I, I just don't understand, unless it's just for obfuscation and, and to quell um, 
really just this talk about a tsunami or a hurricane coming. This gas price is reverberating throughout the economy through virtually everything is going to put an enormous uh, crippling hurt on white people in this country. I, I just don't understand why they won't talk about it unless, again, as I say, it's controlled media. And, uh, yeah, sure, they talk about it a little bit, but they, they're actually hijacking. Uh, there have been instances of them hijacking tanker trucks down there in, in northern or in Mississippi and in, uh, in Louisiana since this has occurred. And uh, some places in the country it's hit uh, uh, as high as 5 or $6. And this is not going to continue without severe repercussions. I mean, everything you buy, Walmart, whatever, throughout the world, too, it's going to be an enormous inflationary cycle. And uh, yeah, talk about the calm before the storm. Yeah, I'm sorry, go ahead, Alex. No, it's up to th gas up to $3 here in Kirksville, which is uh, higher than it's ever been. And... Uh, yeah, the, the, the role of the media in covering it up. I mean, New Orleans is something like two thirds black, but you know, where did the white whites go? It wasn't always two thirds black. You know, there's already been a Jewish hurricane that's hit it before, like that's hit most major American cities that has driven the whites out of the city and made them unlivable. And all that's left are these obese. I mean, the percentage of the people left in New Orleans who did not evacuate that were black was nearly a hundred percent, and the percentage of those that were obese. Was well, must have been 80 percent from from what I could see from uh, tapes of TV, and uh, we are subsidizing these people and their spread. And you know, at some point, it just the system simply breaks down, and the the hurricane reveals it breaking down because it's an emergency. But by, but just across the land spreads this general incompetence, and this these people absolutely cannot and will not take any responsibility for what happens under their watch. They will blame the white man, even as they're shooting him, as he's trying to help them. At some point, we have to realize that we got to save ourselves and quit worrying about the blacks. They're useless. They're jungle animals. And, uh, you know, all these liberal TV actors trying to cover that fact up can't hide it from anybody paying attention. We need to cut yeah, loose from them post-haste. I was even talking to my 84-year-old aunt in Iowa, and she said... Uh, they're talking about bringing some of them to Iowa. I asked her how she liked watching it on television, and uh, and I said, uh, you know, I just joked with her. I said, good. I hope to bring some of them to your town. You can have a big potluck. And she said, oh no, don't wish that on me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, yeah. These are, you know, I haven't seen any stats on this, but to me, they look blacker than average blacks who are supposed to have about twenty, twenty-five percent white blood. These look like pure-blooded Nigerians. And just, these are you know, the, huge. the famous. These are the famous blue gums of Southern uh, legend. Yeah, they got the giant, giant breasts and huge stay out of pig pigeon asses. Hot and tots. And, uh, They're hot and tots. Alex. Hot and tot Venuses. Yeah. <laughs> the family They're big and bold. And hey, to me, you know, if you took an IQ test, you know, you'd have trouble in a lot of them hitting seventy. Yeah. That's what it looks like to me. And uh, you know, they sit around. Well, well, well you have to pretty be pretty stupid when when. when uh, you have the chance to loot uh, jewelry stores and banks to go out and fill your trunk full of uh, uh, Budweiser. <laughs> That's yeah, pretty and, stupid. <laughs> and our, our society invests a lot in maintaining this facade, both through the it's extracted from productive whites to keep up pretenses. But what you saw was 50 to 70 cops in New Orleans who are mostly black just quit the day that all this happened. And uh, they didn't quit out of disgust, as you know, some article in Salon. So they quit because they wanted to join up with the looters. Hmm. They wanted to save their own ass. They don't care about uh, policing stuff. Yeah, all the, and all the, all the white work. man can do. 
Yeah, all, all the white man's got to protect himself from these creatures. Don't worry about saving them. They're not really salvageable. And even if you do save them, what do you get? You get a dumb, obese, stupid nigger who's going to do the same thing all over again. And they're violent, too. I read one article where they said that uh, in New Orleans, what did I read last night? Something like only about one in four murders is solved there. And they did some study where they fired off 700 shots, and no one called the cops. They, they had the cops fire off 700 blanks. No one called the cops. They're so inured to gunfire. Down yeah, they have one of the highest murder corrupt. rates in the United States. Yeah, it's, it's incredibly corrupt. I mean, I used to have a guy who uh, I work with who in D.C. who uh, had come from New Orleans, and I was complaining about the crime in D.C., and he said, shoot, that wouldn't even make the charts down in New Orleans. So it's an incredibly corrupt Negro-ridden city, yeah, well, we'll <clears> and the hurricane just revealed that it 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 pulled the cover off, and you know we got the crybaby nigger governor who won't take any responsibility. We've got obese African mammals holed up in the Velcro dome. It's just frankly disgusting. Yeah, what they ought to do we'll is throw a noose around the thing and just walk inward shooting and get rid of them. Yeah, and well, that's, that's that's what a good, very good percentage of the whites watching this would would want to do. Yeah. Well, that's what Catherine did. It blew the facade off of a city that was just a city in name. Uh, the demographic had been hollowed out over the the decades uh, after the Civil Rights Act, um, so that you have two thirds African in an American city, um, and uh, this this storm just blew that facade right off. And there you have a bunch of Africans. In 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 America, and is the like me, is the media cons admitting that that's the case? No, the media is saying it's poverty. Poverty makes blacks. No, blacks produce poverty. Poverty doesn't produce blacks. Poverty is a combination of bad decisions and low IQ, and the blacks are the result of what they are. Someone was mentioning on the board that there were major floods in uh, a part of Minnesota a couple of years ago, and there wasn't all of this. And we've had them here in West Virginia. Yeah, yeah, in the in the rivers and such, we've we've had them here too. As a matter of fact, this state is the second poorest in the country, next to Mississippi, and for mm -hmm. 24 years running, it had the lowest uh, crime rate. Well, that's because it's 96% uh, white. Exactly, and, uh, and let and let's not forget, we're only talking about New Orleans. In fact, this storm had a large impact in Mississippi and Alabama too, and you don't hear about looting and rioting. I mean, I saw, on part of the tape, I saw they were interviewing people in Mississippi who were shrimp fishermen who were Vietnamese, and they were mostly standing around on their piles of rubble looking somewhat disconsolate, but not, you know, rioting and looting. And it, so so these Asians and these whites aren't really, aren't really uh, going nuts. It's purely the blacks. And we're not even getting the real reports on what they're doing other than vague indications, but they've beaten the hell out of more than a few white people they definitely raped some people. They've definitely murdered some people. We just, again, you cannot trust the media to tell you the truth about any of this, and that's the most dangerous thing of all. Any problem can be dealt with when you can talk about it, discuss it. You'll eventually come to the right solution. But when you can't even talk about this stuff, that's the meta problem that gives rise to all the rest of these problems. The rest of these, yeah. as I like to say, are symptoms. This is the disease of the goddamn Jew control of the networks. Which well, it's a prototypical thought control is what it is, too. They, they don't want the yeah. thought, do not verbalize these thoughts, or you will be uh, maligned. Uh, again, a character assassin, essentially, because uh, the, the, they've taught our people that uh, you know, uh, 
of a disagreement with what they with their uh, with their agenda is an indication of uh, pathology. In other words, they do not want whites to organize uh, with a common, uh, a strong, a strong uh, requirement of, uh, of conformity. But it's fine for Jews to do that. That's exactly right. We are prevented from making. We are prevented from acting in our own interest by acknowledging Jews and blacks for what they are and that they pose a threat to us in their different ways and that we need to protect ourselves from them. And that's the reason that VNN and Goyfire exist, to tell you what the media will not tell you. Oh, these poor people, you know, they just needed they needed help. They've done, you know, I see Keith Olbermann and all of Pasley. They did exactly what the government told them to do. Well, the government told them to get to evacuate. And... They were too irresponsible to do it. Even if they don't have a car, they could still walk 40 miles. Well, a lot of them, Alex, a lot of them are looking forward to, to the Christmas party after, you know. <laughs> sure. Yeah. That's I think that's that was I mean, it. They loved the looting. How, they, they were looting within hours. A Walmart clearance sale. Yeah, and half the people in there are cops. And, yeah, you know, was, the shame is really, blacks aren't really capable of shame. I mean, they showed this one elephantine. Negress, you know, who was supposedly a cop, and they kind of showed her picking up with her girlfriend, picking up a bunch of shoes, and she almost had the barest sort of a, you could sense a dim animal recognition that you're not really supposed to be doing that kind of thing if you're a cop, but you know, they're, they're so they're so animal-like that it, it's just, they have like a, just the faintest shadow of what would be most prominent in, in the blush in a white man's cheek if you were caught doing the same thing. They're just fucking animals. They're well, you know, even the savage Jew wiener was even the savage Jew wiener was saying that uh, he didn't know that there were until now that there were a million uh, people on welfare on subsidized housing in New Orleans, and uh, yeah, we we pay yeah. them to spread so that there's more of that and less of us. Yeah. I think, and, and you don't think the Jews are genocidal? Look at what you you know, as the conservatives love to say, what you subsidize, what you tax, you get less of. What you subsidize, you get more of. We subsidize elephantine Negro cops who are spitting out babies. I mean, that, and that's an employed one, you know, after a fashion. Most of these aren't even employed. They sit around, they're drinking, they're using their food stamps, they're drinking Coke and eating Cheetos so they get diabetes. They're spitting out a bunch of kids and collecting welfare on them. We pay these suckers to destroy our cities. The Jews tell us they're our equal, and the Jew gets some benefit out of this out of this great game of pretend, but we are the ones who don't benefit. Well, morally, it's almost as if they're our superior now. I mean, it's implied, if not, uh, because uh, they're downtrodden just as uh, as the uh, ever the Jew is. Well, they're allowed to commit these crimes against us, and they go unremarked in the media. They're, they're covered up. We're just, oh, these poor, poor niggers have been four days without any food and water. Why is that my problem? Well, then, then there was a report, uh, uh, one guy who's a, a Negro himself, he wrote uh, that uh, they've resorted to cannibalism. You know, I made, I made a joke on, on the uh, forum. I said, why didn't Bush get in there with a half a dozen cigarette boats and fill them up with uh, Kevlar-vested Secret Service and Marines and get out there and uh, speed around and, and cut off a hunk and enjoy, you know? Let's see. Let's, yeah. Instead, he's, they show him sitting out there with some white kid, on, you know, on the, on the uh, remains of a house. <laughs> Come on, mm -hmm. get down there. And, and then the governor... This woman, I guess she's been reduced to tears. She's still in Baton Rouge. You know, they can't fly in there. The humidity might knock her hairdo down. They can't step out of a air-conditioned SUV or limo or something. I mean, this is the problem. These women should not even be control in in positions of responsibility in society, in my opinion. I'm tired of going 
everywhere you go, Alex, you walk into a yeah. bank, you walk into a hospital, you walk into a post office, a grocery store, you name it, it's wall-to-wall women. That's basically true. Any kind of especially people have referred to the browning out of public service in, in California, but that's true all over. And it's not just the browning out. It, it's it's Everything is that's quasi-official or official is completely feminized. It's run to the mentality and the ability level of women, which is, is much lower than, than the average man. And, you know, even white nationalists don't like my saying that, but that's simply a fact. If you want something done competently and well, you're going to have white males in the, basically in the private sector doing it. Well, again, we had we had Betty Friedan, the Jewess. We had uh, uh, Bella Abzug, the Jewess, Gloria Steinem, the Jewess, in, in the 70s, and the reams of newsprint they've got. We've talked about that before in Goyfar. I mean, it was all over the AP in this country. It was front page, column inch after column inch. And they taught women have exceeded uh, males as both college registrants and, and graduates since 1980. So that's 25 years now. And that's and, directly by policy, too. Yeah, and so uh, they've essentially cleaved off white women from white males and implied that you're an honorary minority. Well, why did they do that? Because spicks and niggers like to fuck beautiful white women, and they want to control white men. So the way to do it is cleave them off as the honorary minority uh, at the Jews' uh, uh, leftist teachings, which they've done, and put them in the middle-level positions of management. Yeah, that, that's true, and it, it's not just not just those high-end reasons, but there's it, it's just mediocrity finds comfort in, in surrounding itself with mediocrity, and when you bring in these white women, that's what you're getting, basically, is mediocrity. And you've often said that. how they're repeaters, Alex. Please, please talk about that a moment. Will you? Exactly well, I mean, you, you take, for example, here at Truman State, there was a guy who, uh, he'd been president of it for a long time. They replaced him. Where did they go? They went to some small university in New York, and they picked up this woman who's a spitting image of, like, I think it's Kate Michaelman of now, but... No, basically a feminist. They, they, most women are not even conscious of the source of the ideas that that uh, they think they're espousing, and that's particularly true with feminism. Unless they've really thought about it or been around a man who has explained them what's going on, they are spouting feminism without knowing it in most cases. But they bring in people like this, and they start talking about we have to diversify Truman State, for example. What that means is they bring in more incompetent Negroes from the slums of St. Louis, and they bring in more international students. Dinks, and the white male case. pays the price, and even the ones who are let in tend to be homosexuals and they tend to be liberals, so that they absolutely are trying to drive out just normal white males, and they're trying to pathologize, as Craig said, which is correct, uh, uh, they're pathologize ordinary white male established culture and make it uncomfortable for them. So that, you know, I, I went to college and I, I saw this whole thing playing out. I mean, there's nothing in, in any way that is supportive of your average male or conservative male. It, it, it's only supportive of you if you're Jewish, if you're a homosexual, if you're a woman, if you're a, if you're a, a minority. For everybody else, you're at best, you're sort of tolerated, but the whole, the whole feel of the place is against you. That's why the brunt of white brilliance and creativity uh, is, is simply led away from the academy, because there's nothing there for you. It's just a bunch of incompetent political hacks. Well, they've gotten to the point now, they're not just trying to make us uncomfortable, but anybody who even might have a natural uh, cultural proclivity to sympathize with us, i.e. white women, they want to make mm-hmm. them very uncomfortable at the natural inclination to support their own men. And so yeah. The, yeah. to the point where we're actually a self-loathing people. Well, the thing is, these, these women professors are not brilliant. I mean, you, you would have to go a long way before you found a woman professor who is more than just competent. The brilliance is almost exclusively male. 
most of the people who belong in academia belong teaching our children. You know, they've, they've driven a lot of that type out. Now, you look at where areas conspicuous for brilliance in our society, you'd have to point to computers, something that the government, A, had absolutely nothing to do with, B, was completely started, run, and, and still is today by white males. That is the brilliant sector of the community. It doesn't matter how they run it. It's basically a variation of what the Jews have done. You know, they staff everything with their own people, and then they claim that they're brilliant, and they award themselves all the awards, and they get all the publicity, but uh, that's not really what's going on. I mean, the women take over all these positions that they're not really qualified to fill. Just everything becomes bureaucratized and mediocre, and it's just unpleasant. And I well, think this, go this governor... This governor of Louisiana, she's a... Uh, What's her uh, name, Landrew? Is it? Uh, I've uh, been away from the Internet, and I haven't, I haven't I gotten it. There's so many yeah. aspects of the case. Yeah, Landrew, maybe it is. Yeah, I'm not sure of the pronunciation, but I think that's more or less the spelling, Landrew. Yeah. D-R-E. Well, it's finally becoming evident with people such as her, although uh, when you talk about Jews staffing uh, with their own positions, Shertoff, <laughs> you know, Shertoff, who's a Jew and is a son of a rabbi, he came on... Uh, the White House website on Thursday, they said he was going to come on live. Well, I, I was pretty pumped up about this. You know, I thought, well, we'll see him type in his answers and so forth. I said, at the very least, you know, I'll have a, an able typist there, and he'll be dictating. And I thought this should be a, a pretty, uh, you know, animated back and forth between the public and America because by Thursday they were a little bit upset. Uh, personally, I think he's done a fine job in, in Louisiana, but nonetheless, uh, yeah. <laughs> He came on there. Well, he didn't come on. That was it. I kept waiting and waiting. Where's Sheratoff live? This is what it said, live at 4. Uh, mm -hmm. Secretary Homeland Secretary Sheratoff. So for people who don't understand, FEMA is directly under Homeland Security. Now, they're talking about uh, if we were to be attacked uh, on the anniversary of 911, which is just a few days hence, if they were to have suitcase uh, nuclear bombs or, or if even... Uh, Mossad would know about it or, or participate, whatever. If this were to happen, we can see, and China's watching too, they can see this ultimate chaos in just one uh, major city in this country. I'm mm -hmm. sure they're taking note of all this. Now, when Lyndon Johnson was president and the niggers would riot, that guy would send in the, you know, an airborne uh, division and they'd be cracking heads. Or they'd be in there uh, lickety-split. Mm -hmm. And these guys, Sheratoff could have had all those things positioned uh, the night before within a 200-mile radius and so forth. And uh, Shertoff, uh, nobody's, because he's a Jew, I guess, they don't hold him accountable. But anyway, on his live uh, conference, completely dead. That's just it. They just take questions, and then maybe 48 or 72 hours. The last time I looked Friday afternoon, it wasn't up his responses yet. And uh, also the head of the National Guard, for those who don't know, is, is a Jew, and his name is Stephen Bloom of Maryland. And uh, he's the head of our entire National Guard. I don't know why they don't ship that kike off to defend his homeland in Israel in Iraq. But, uh, no, uh, he's also part of the problem and uh, the slow response down there. They've got everybody in the Middle East. That was the, uh, that was the thing. They, they went to call the New Orleans the National Guard, and they weren't there. Mm -hmm. They were uh, outside of Fallujah or, or some other place. I heard this other general, he's not National Guard, I believe he was regular army, I just heard him on the radio, he, he sounded like he might be Negro, but what they, he went in there and he said he commanded them, instead of having at arms or, you know, at the ready, uh, you know, so that you can raise your rifle and fire quickly, he told them to point their rifles at the ground. 
essentially they're telling these whites who are mostly carrying the rifles, hey, you know what, take your shot from these guys. That's your responsibility. Right. That's ridiculous. Well, the, the first uh, news story out was that they were going to send in 125,000 National Guard troops. Well, they, they went to, to hit the speed dial, and they found out that uh, 80% were already in Iraq. So you had the, the, the leftovers that you had to piece together from the entire country, people 60 years old, weekend warriors that, that weren't over there, guys that came back from Iraq, and they, they, they had to put together this piecemeal posse to get some type of semblance of order, these rampaging. And, and Jews like Bloom, the commander of the entire National Guard, who don't even have to go to Iraq. And they also diverted, uh, they diverted money that was going to be used for the levy to uh, help pay for the invasion of Iraq. And the, the Jews over at uh, New National Review Online have been making fun of what's going on in New Orleans. And, uh, because, you know, it just sort of gets in their way. They don't really care. When you average white looking at this, see the people down in New Orleans, you know that those are not fellow Americans. Those are Africans in America. They've Zambezi Waterworld. Yeah. yeah, Zambezi Waterworld. I mean, <laughs> they, they, why, why, why bring these suckers over here in the first place? And that was a huge mistake, and in, in no small measure it was Jewish slave ships that brought them over. But, of course, we bear responsibility, too, for buying them. But we need to get rid of them. We need to separate ourselves from them and their Jewish sponsors by any means necessary. Again, we've talked about it on Goyfire, Alex, but if people don't know the demographics in major cities in this country, it's changed. I mean, there are entire cities now, Atlanta, Detroit, uh, Cleveland, Philadelphia are five or six that come to mind, certainly Los Angeles in the case of Spix. Yeah. Look, <laughs> these areas are in complete, total environments controlled by non-whites now. And if you want to place yourself there and civil chaos ensues, this is what you can expect. I, I hadn't realized before the storm that New Orleans is 67% black, and it's something like, what was it, the top? I think it's the fifth blackest city over 100,000, with you know, presumably D.C., Detroit, and Atlanta being three of the other five. But, uh, yeah, I mean, Katrina is a, is a physical hurricane, but in a sense, in a metaphorical sense, I mean, most American large cities have been hit by third-world hurricanes or hurricanes coming out of the third world sent by Jews who, who reversed the 1965 Immigration Act to let the uh, third world into our country and drive the whites out just as surely as had there been a hurricane and just as destructively, too. Katrina blew the curtain off New Orleans and uh, the dark deals that have been going down there for a long time really uh, subsidized African nation uh, at the expense yeah. of Ameri white American taxpayers. Yeah, we, we pay for little Africa, for not so little Africa to expand. Li literally in the people, I mean, they're obese, and, and physically in the, in the amount of territory that they control within America. And every bit they control is not controlled by you and me. It's, it's putting more and more ground out of bounds for ordinary white Americans, and that is genocide, and it is my intention, and the intenders are the Jews. They mix us with these people. As long as they get that check the first of the month and their crack pipe and, uh, you know, their 40s, this all just keeps going on, continuing. Uh, Philadelphia, Miami, uh, Baltimore, uh, D.C., Atlanta, those are hit cities that haven't been hit by a hurricane but have just been hollowed out completely. Uh, yeah, and the minute our money stops flowing to these Africans, uh, they go apeshit within hours. That's what happens. The minute we aren't there to provide the infrastructure and keep somewhat of a cover on their 
naked animalism, um, they go ape. They revert to what they are. It really is like we're, we're bribing them to pretend to be humans for just a few more hours. You know, we can't do that forever, white people. We can't do it forever. Yeah, so are we in the 11th hour for this country yet? I think that New Orleans is a real close. signal for that. Yeah, Pretty close because what you see is, you know, the, the ratio gets worse every day between us and them. Second of all, they're, they are so corrupt in their culture that it just starts to corrupt everything else that touches them. And, when we, and third of all, when we can't discuss this in honest terms like we are here in Goyfire, that corrodes our soul and it corrodes our integrity, and all of a sudden we become something that can be kicked through pretty easily because we're not honest. We, we've gone well, if it, if allowing it, the Jews to determine the, the, the terms with which we discuss what's going on in our society. We have become corrupted and enslaved in the process. If it's now 65%, 35%, and when you count Jews and, and Spics and everybody else in this United Nations country, look, a lot of these people are willing to take extreme measures, and whites have been trained not to. They think even in the midst of a calamity, uh, in, there are some down there in New Orleans who you know, stand there, sit there with shotguns and such, and I'm sure a lot would, but the point is, uh, a lot of these uh, non-whites are willing to, uh, as you say, the, you know, yeah. The uh, controls come off within a matter of minutes or hours. And, and so. look at what they did, Craig. They broke in. It, it's not just that they were stealing CDs and plasma TVs. What they, what they did was a lot of them broke into gun stores and stole, stole all the guns. Sure. They're running up and down marauding and, and uh, sure. raping people. Yeah, and, and if you've got a 12-gauge, 12, 12 folks, or, or, you know, you've got your 22 plink or a 30-30 against an AK-47, well, you know, fucking enjoy. See yeah. what happens. If you don't know, AK-47 spin in over end over end. They hit your leg, and it'll spin come out your shoulder. It's no joke. They'll mess you up, and you you, you white people who think you're going to rely on the government. Well, if nothing else, this put the lie to that. I mean, this government is fucking corrupt and incompetent. And like I said, and that's in the case where they're not trying to fuck you up. Most of the time, they are trying to to, to put institute policies that are directly against your wishes, your expressed wishes through the ballot box. On these referendums, we vote. We don't want to give money to these illegals. We don't want to give the money to these stupid coons. They do it anyway. This is an example where they didn't want the levy to break. They wanted to get the system fixed, and they're still they're still too corrupt and incompetent to keep minimal order here. And and this African population, each generation's about what, like 30 percent larger than the last. And that and they're letting in all these millions of Mexicans. I mean, no, yeah, the country is in its last hours. These ain't Americans. They're fucking monkeys and Mexicans in, in America. We are the Americans. You listen to this. White people are the Americans. We founded the country. The country has to do with us and our posterity, not with these, with these apes and, these, and, and uh, Zambezi water world, fucking hippotamuses. Yeah, you know. how, I'm wondering, how do libertarians deal with a catastrophe like this? I mean, can everybody that has their gun, uh, you know, is that is that a solution to these types of... Uh... Well, you know, Lou Rockwell had an excellent column on it in, in which he made a lot of points about the incompetence of government and the fact that there's nobody accountable. Therefore, they, they, they take the money and graft and buy houses and boats instead of propping up the levees. And his point is that ought to be privately contracted. So he's right as far as they go on that technical stuff. And a white government would need to take all of that into account. But individualism is kind of beside the point when you see all these Africans. I mean, it, the generalization leaps out that these are not Americans. These are not really human in the sense that we watching this are. They are obviously dangerous, violent animals, but we are subsidizing at our own risk. And people understand that, but they're not allowed to discuss that publicly because this other 
group of people that can only be taken as a group, i.e. Jews, uh, determines which terms and frames we use to discuss that. So they become victims of poverty and victims of incompetent government who, you know, simply want to be helped out of a tragic situation, and we fellow Americans owe it to them. I have this series of books, the American Jewish Yearbook. It's published every year. And uh, this morning before Goyfire this afternoon, I was rereading uh, the 1953 issue. And they're talking about anti-Semitism. They call whites way back then, and every single year since then, anyone who distributes pro-white information is a, a hate monger. They were using this word, imagine, just years after uh, uh, the Western world came and uh, uh, sacrificed millions of, our, of white men uh, you know, in, in, a, in a war on our own people. And uh, still, way back then and every year since, we're hate mongers. Uh, of course, they're not hate mongers. They have this Israel thing going. They push those people out of that country. But when we try to push the invaders out of our country, we're bad people. And they, they pushed the, the yeah. indigenous, indigenous people out of uh, uh, Palestine. And what's yeah, we'll the term for people who try to mix white Americans with the third world? If, if, if we're haters, what the hell does that make the Jews? They mix these water buffaloes and these, uh, these Mexicans in here with us, knowing that it would destroy us. So when you hear a Jew call anybody else a hater, remember, hate began with the Jews. They're a hate cult. Well, this ties in nicely with our uh, top ten law school analysis. Uh, Shane, this is a thread you've been pioneering on the forum, but uh, we're hoping, I guess, to incorporate this into a future TAA. Yeah. Um, what we have here, six out of ten are Jews. Uh, six yeah. out of ten deans of the top ten law schools in the U.S. are Jews. Uh, yeah. One is a, a nog and one is a dink, and then we have two white men. So that's yeah. 20%. And if you go up to the top 19 schools, it's 10 out of 19, uh, which is more than 50%. Now, after that, of course, the schools tend to fall and move into the Midwest and the South, in which there are still such good numbers of white people that, that uh, the Jews cannot gain that pro much prominence. But besides that, the uh, the quality and and, and the uh, the future leadership ability of propelling people into positions of power in the society falls off when, after you get past school, you know, past the first 15 or so. Yeah, uh, I mean, it, I'm sorry. I was just going to interject. Yeah, go ahead, please. Yeah. The lower ones follow the Jewish model anyway, just like dumb teachers in public schools, education majors get their ideas ultimately from Columbia and a couple others where Jews determine the doctrines that they will preach in public schools. Mm -hmm. yeah, and and so uh, the, the student body, I want to address that, if you will, Alex, too, because it's not, only, it's not only the deans, it's the student body and it's the professorships within the law schools. Now, we were going to cover this, I guess we, I'm sure we still are in TA. Yeah, we are, are going to lead with the uh, Katrina storm, but we're, gonna, uh, mm -hmm. we're going to, cause simply because it blasted Sheehan and, and the campus stuff off the pages, but uh, uh, we will definitely have, coverage of the uh, law school stuff in general, but it was, maybe it was one of you who mentioned that there was some Jewish guy who said, I only hire minorities, fags, and Jews, minorities, fags, and women, something like that, and, and he wasn't an academic, but that mentality is pretty much what controls our universities today, so that, that normal heterosexual white male is looked down upon and made uncomfortable, as we discussed earlier, and the, it really is remarkable. You can go to each of these law schools, you can look up their president and their staff online, and you find that Jews have basically 
50% plus of the staff at the top 10 law schools, and those are the people who mint the power elite in our society, as, as Shane said. And so you wonder and you know, everything is jewed out. Coincidentally, it's not even a coincidence, it's a fact, but uh, this is what caused a lot of trouble in, uh, in uh, pre-World War II Germany because in, in the Weimar Republic, the Jews had done the same thing in the universities. And, uh, oh, they said, oh, it's just because the best rises to the top. No, it's because you're promoting your own people very assiduously at the expense of white people. Mm -hmm. And now they've done it in our country. As we just talked about uh, earlier, uh, they propelled white women way above their abilities in general. And uh, then they pretend. <laughs> I I've heard these niggers on TV, or on the radio, rather, and they've been talking, and one woman's talking about all her employees, and she's speaking the most atrocious English possible. She keeps dropping all of our employees. We're going to keep paying them, and we're doing this and that. And I'm thinking, how could this woman have employees for anything unless she's running a janitorial company at best? Mm -hmm. I mean, <laughs> it sounds like Ginsburg. Well, they, they've just kicked all of these inept up to, and, and even uh, the people left in New Orleans. A lot of them are probably making uh, close to forty grand a year. They got two or three kids, you know, uh, some mammy with two. What I'm saying is. All across the board, they've turned it upside down. And, uh, again, in the law schools, these are the arbiters, the people who become TV talking heads, like Geraldo, whose mother's a Jew. Uh, you know, Jews and all these, a lot of these talking shows, uh, we've talked a lot about Bill Crystal and Moral Eliasson and, uh, and uh, Dr. Strange, that is uh, Charles Krautheimer, that sick puppy. <laughs> Uh, and, and, and the neocon people watch this, or the nominal Christians, and they just take it as, oh, that's the final word, Fox. Oh, yes, they're conservative. It just goes on and on. And not, only, not to mention the people like uh, the, these law professors, uh, Lawrence Tribe, and people like this, constantly on television, and, what, and politicians, too. So across the board, if you can control a, a society's legal framework... You know, that's it. Yeah, Jews maintain a near monopoly over the accrediting of expertise in this society, hmm. or I should say what is called expertise on television. For example, I'm an expert on Jews. Uh, because I have a Ph.D., no, because I know what they're like in practice from, uh, from dealing with them, from studying their influence on the media, and from reading about them for years. But, you know, they will instead have these, these guys who are experts on hate discussing people like us who represent normal white America. And, you know, we are only and always haters, and they are experts on hate. It, it's the most bizarre thing. And what these people do, what, what controlling the law schools allows them to do is, for one thing, it helps them erode the difference between speech and action so that they can eventually criminalize and perhaps make a capital crime uh, open discussion of Jewish interests and motives and anti-white activities, such as we are doing right here today. Which they've already done in Canada and Germany and England and a number of countries. It's not a capital crime there yet as it was it's not in the capital, Soviet Union, but, it's but a it, crime. It, is, it is illegal. Yeah. Okay? And this is a complete double standard. And those of you who are Christian realize that we're not, you may want to pay attention because this has, happens to have an effect on you very early in the process. In Canada, I was just reading last night, you know, yet another province has put aside a couple hundred thousand dollars to create you know, an anti-hate task force that will go after basically anybody who criticizes Jews or the agenda, capital letters, as I like to call it. And what they do is they pass these anti-hate things that prevent you from saying anything, whether true or not, that will tend to bring a minority into disregard. Uh, but uh, that doesn't cut both ways. They are perfectly free to slur whites, 
but they're also perfectly free to slur Christians, especially in where, this, where the rubber usually hits the road is with regard to what the Christians are teaching about homosexuality. And the, the, the faggot groups have been so empowered by government and by media, they're always presented as gay and light, happy in the media, and just an alternative lifestyle in the media. And, and they're privileged in the courts, too. And, and soon enough, and, and they receive funding through the government. And so these groups, even though they represent only a tiny minority of people, are, are more than equal in legal stature to organized Christianity, which has been around forever. They don't tell the truth that they have an incredibly high alcoholism rate, an incredibly high suicide rate, uh, a high HIV-AIDS yeah. rate. In other words, death and destruction and mayhem and, and an un, unhappiness in, as human existence. In, in other words, the, the usual devilish Jew standard prevails, in which the thing is called by its opposite. We're called haters because we, we want to defend our own race, and we have pride and pride in it. And we, we even could say that we love it. I think that word's overused, but we like our own people. We want to defend them. We don't feel really that they need intellectual defense. They just need physical defense. But, they don't uh, deserve what they're getting, in other words. We don't, yeah, we don't, we don't need to have any reason to protect ourselves. We don't like this society that Jews have, uh, have built. And we don't like their calling, like Craig says, they call them gay because they're the opposite of gay. Their average homosexual is quite unhappy that average homosexual is disease-ridden, too. Now, I mean, the now number of partners one, that they have. This one thing that got me is that of the ten, okay, two were white, two deans of these law schools. One, mm -hmm. John C. Jeffries of the law school at Virginia, uh, came out and mentioned Vanguard News Network's analysis specifically and denounced it for all of his peers. Yeah, uh, well, let, me, let me tell you. Go ahead, Alex. Give the background there, Craig. Give the, well, yeah, the, the way this all started was during the Lefkoff thing. And uh, to tell you straightforwardly, I, I thought perhaps a creator had done it. I really did. I don't think I said so explicitly. Maybe I did. But but I thought, you know what, maybe somebody's just had enough. Well, uh, almost everybody on the forum disagreed, and I don't think I promulgated that much, but uh, personally I tended to believe that, and, and you know, I admit it. But uh, it, it turns out it was done by uh, some Polish immigrant, uh, a possible Jewish extraction. But the point is, during the midst of that, we had a thread with about 55,000 hits, and we were uh, a lot of the media was... Uh, you know, looking at the fact that we had publicized Michael Lefkow's address, he was running for a judgeship. It's perfectly legal to do that. And as Alex said, hey, do they go bother the New York Times for publishing a picture of some judge? No. Lance you know? was listening in. Yeah. So anyway, there was this, so what was his name, Volker, Alex Volker, what was his name? Uh, Eugene Volkow is a libertarian yeah. who writes for Lou Rockwell that Craig came in contact with. Right, and he's got a, apparently a popular blog to me. It's, you know, dry as can be, and I don't know and why he, it's popular. He, He's supposed to be a free speech expert, isn't that correct? Right. Yeah, so so I suspect that there's a chance he might be a Jew. That's right, he is, on the First Amendment. But uh, it looks to me as if he's a, a, a Russian Jew uh, uh, invader from uh, the Jimmy Carter era. That's what I'm so, suggesting. So he's a, he's a Jew law professor with a blog, and he yeah. writes for LewRockwell.com, a popular libertarian site. Exactly. But nonetheless, even though I suspect that I might be a Jew since he was covered in uh, – and he was essentially uh, – uh, giving some sort of tepid defense about the First Amendment, people have the right to say and do this, so I invited him to come on VNN. Well, I emailed him, and, and he emailed me back, well, since I'm a Jew, he said, I don't think I'd want to do that. This is well, Why not? If you're such a big fucking promoter of the First Amendment, which is a white concept, 
and you're ballyhooed all over and you promote yourself as that, why not? Why not come over here and say, yeah, I'm a Jew, however, I do believe this. No, he wouldn't fucking do it. And not only that, but then he started, uh, he, he got real animated about it, and pretty soon we were noticed by, who's that other educational group? Well, uh, the two Jews in the U, it, I call them. There's a, uh, there's a new paper, Inside Higher Education, wrote an article about this little contretemps. Mm-hmm. And uh, they quoted Volkow and some other stuff. I don't. Do we have it online there? What are, well, what we do. That's say? buried in the left cuff, Fred, somewhere originally. Yeah, that, but that's way back. I don't have it right in front of me. But they, uh, but, they, but anyway, they ended this up is, writing a couple articles about this. So, so again, this is the, the, the uh, omnipresent anti-Semitism, which happens to be, are Jews ever responsible for it? In other words, is it their behavior? So, uh, again, we're taught this ancient conflict between white people and Semitic people who are not white but pretend like they are. Uh, it's back to the fore. But the point is, this is how we came with this uh, discovery. And then little by little it dawned on us, and we started looking at it, the law schools and the percentages of Jews in the student body and minorities and in the uh, faculty and turns out in the deans too. And we think it's going to be... Uh, a pretty good issue with middle-class parents. To, to make a really crude version of what they'll teach them, they'll teach them that law and precedent don't matter. They were set up by evil white males. You go with your heart, and, and of course, one's heart, since Jews are good and we're evil, one's heart is always with whatever the Jewish agenda is. Chain implied, Jews have no tradition of free speech. That is utterly an Aryan concept. The Jewish tradition of uh, splitting hairs and, and uh, sophistry called pilpul. Maybe it's pronounced pilpul. I'm not sure, but P-I-L-P-U-L. Jews sit around and debate the uh, Talmud, and they try to come up with bigger whoppers, bigger lies to trick each other, and the one who yells the loudest and lies the best in the end prevails. But Jews do not believe that truth uh, as such exists. They believe that uh, the lie that lasts the longest is, is function, stands in for the truth. So, so There is right no now, ultimate truth. Yes. Yeah, there is no yeah. ultimate truth. There's only what the, what the loudest voice says, and if Jews control the law professor slots, they control... The lawyers, half the politicians are lawyers. Uh, the Jews have all the money from their papers and their advertising. They, they pay in and they buy the politicians. Pretty soon you have a goddamn system where no one else can get a word in edgewise. And, and publishers, exactly publishers too. It, yeah. Imagine if there were white people who were the experts on the Talmud, on the history of Israel, um, on every Jewish aspect in the world, and they were constantly quoted. Well, this is the flip-flop when Eugene Volko, you know, some... Uh, uh, Ashkenazi Jew is quoted on the First Amendment. The First Amendment is not your culture, Mr. Volkow. You're an invader into this country. You're a Semitic person, uh, even though you're Ashkenazi. Uh, you're not of this country or this culture, but you pretend you are. And imagine if whites, that would be the flip-flop or the, or, or the converse. I mean, it's just not going to happen. And we're not trying to make it happen, but uh, Jews want to rule, rule their lands and our lands too. Yeah, the Jewish society is inherently totalitarian, and this is reflected in their actual day-to-day behavior. They do not believe that any criticism of Jews should be tolerated, and they move in every single society they infest to outlaw criticism of Jews. This can go so far as hate speech codes on a university all the way up to capital crime, as it was in the early decades of the 20th century in the Soviet Union. It's a capital crime to be anti-Semitic to say anti-Semitic thing because the gang that took over Russia was made up of Jews. Another thing you'll never learn in history class. But, but the point here is that Jews control, they control the papers, they control the government through their lobbyists, they control the lawyer-producing schools, and you combine all these things 
Julie Hood get, too. Julie Hood and all that. Combine Hollywood. You combine MTV. Hollywood and you get a real power machine that nobody effectively can stand against. So you have a tiny minority, just as you had in Weimar Germany. The uh, the exact same thing. Jews were controlling all these uh, choke points in society and only letting ideas and people through who met their criteria. And pretty soon, the the, the native Germans thought, Jesus, we're being squeezed out of our own land. And, and you know what they hated Hitler about? Because Hitler talked about the greater good. And that means to subsume your own interest for the good of our people or our culture. And they're definitely afraid that we're going to come to the point uh, of revulsion of, uh, of all their acts and their controls and do that. And these university students just may do that when they, when they show up at schools and try to get in, just as they did in the Weimar Republic. The university students were some of the biggest voters for, for uh, National Socialism. And uh, look... This is what they do in every country, as Alex was saying. They've done it for hundreds, hundreds, and hundreds of years. And now they've done it in ours, and they're just at the cusp. But they're yeah, at the they're, cusp they're of the having cusp. accomplished it. And what the Germans really grew to dislike, your average German is, you know, is, is a bourgeois type, a peasant type. You know, they're fairly serious, straightforward people. The Jews ceaselessly mocked them in their papers. They mocked the middle class. They mocked the military. They mocked the farmer. Because you're supposed to be a really cool, you know, sex in the city type yid. And the Jews repeat these. The Jews control the choke points in the Soviet Union, in Weimar Germany, and today in America, and they produce exactly the same thing. They mock you, the average middle class white person. You are despicable. And it's, it's not just that they mock you, they blame you, and they try to change you, and by changing you, they destroy you. So, not the greedy, violent, stupid nigger left in New Orleans because of his own stupidity, but you are the problem. You don't care about the nigger enough. You don't give him enough of your money. You don't give him enough of your daughters to breed with and improve his, his, his poor genetic position. You are the problem, and they're going to fuck you up in, in a thousand ways. I mean, we, we've talked about them all here on Goyfire, but ultimately, their ultimate success is in simply getting rid of you by blending you out genetically or just shooting you in the back of the head as they did in the Soviet Union. Now, you have to stand against this if you want a different future for your own people. Unless you want your daughters growing up around the kind of apes you see down in New Orleans, you better come with us because we aren't going down with this ship. And if you don't think right, this guys. ship is going down, you haven't been paying attention to Katrina and the aftermath. It's like what Pierce said. When yeah. you see those, those Africans down in New Orleans, you have no connection to them. They are not fellow Americans. Nobody feels any connection to the Africans. We are white. We are a separate people from these clowns and the Jews who let them in. The, the you know what? I was listening to this woman on the CBC. I can get the CBC now and then on shortwave. And she was the gorilla keeper at the Toronto Zoo. I believe it was Toronto. <laughs> for like 30 years, right? She's an Aussie originally. And so she's telling all their characteristics. <laughs> okay. And here, here are some of their characteristics. I don't know if you're recording this, Dan. Maybe you should. He says that they're subject to high blood pressure and hypertension. And she says, if you come in there and, and, and you have an attitude or you're, or you're upset that day, she said, they'll just ignore you and get away with whatever they can get away with. And I thought, huh. gee, what does all that sound like? <laughs> Hypertension, high blood pressure, and, and they, they're experts at getting away with whatever they can get away with. If she's being flown into New Orleans as a consultant, right? <laughs> she should be. You know that's why all those niggers have diabetes, because they're, they're living high on the white man's food stamps. And poverty, man, they're fucking rich. They don't do anything. They just sit there and eat. All right. How do they get that fat otherwise? Let's keep on track. Alex, you wanted to wrap up uh, the law school 
Uh, I wanted to make, yeah, I wanted to make one last point. One other point in the law school thing, what we saw in the case of Brown versus Board of Education, which a handful of us, uh, Chain and I included, protested in public last year, 2004, was the Jew reverse on a whim law that had been settled for the better part of a hundred years. Uh, this Jew, Felix Frankfurter, simply twisted some, some arms behind the scenes and got the court to declare on the basis of some ridiculous sociology tests that uh, unintegrated public schools, uh, segregated public schools, free public schools were somehow injurious to blacks and therefore illegal. They fell afoul of equal treatment. So just like that, overnight, it all reversed. I'd like to and, say something right there, Alex, please. Yeah, sure, go ahead. Did, did these young white kids, and I talk to them uh, whenever I travel in the country, they will not tell me this in so many words, but you can extrapolate it. A lot of these kids who, who ape niggerisms, they're in fear, so they try to go along to get along within reason, you know. A lot of them are not out-and-out out, uh, uh, wiggers, as you would say. I mean, yeah, yeah, they'll go along with hip-hop, and some of them like it a little bit, some of them like it a lot. But a lot of them, and the girls and guys included, they're in physical fear from these beasts. So yeah. that's why they, they try to go along to get along, because that's the, a certain, uh, you know, humanitarian or supposed part of the white way. Craig, I can back up that point. When when I had my earlier business, I was in trade publishing. I had an intern who went on to attend George Georgetown out in D.C. and she was a real smart girl. And she went to uh, some kind of a magnet or some supered up school in what was it? I think just northeast of D.C. All the all the niggers are starting to move out of D.C. into the Prince George's uh, up there. And I asked her what it was like, and she said. And she was actually kind of liberal and, and very radiant Germanic type. And she just, you know, mild, honest, decent person, the type that these Africans just simply plow through and destroy when they come in contact with their communities. And she said, well, they didn't really harass me so much, but she said every, she said they harassed her brother, who was a real large guy. She said he got harassed literally every single day at that high school where they had all these niggers coming in. And she also said, like, oh, these black girls would, uh, they would they would uh, fight and scream and just curse like truckers and rip each other's fake nails and hair extensions off, basically daily. So Craig is absolutely right. These people live in, in fear of these fucking monkeys. And now, from what I've read, I've been out of D.C. for the, you know, five, six, seven years now. Uh, that, that, that area out there, the surrounding Maryland suburbs uh, northeast from D.C., now has all kinds of rapes and murders, and it's purely because these niggers are... are the nigger population continually expands, and they continually push into white areas, aided by and, a Jew who prevents them from doing anything about on it. Some, on some elemental, elemental level, it has yet to be thrashed out, in my opinion, as to whether, uh, as a genetic crucible, this kind of savageness you know, may, may take precedence over whites unless whites begin to fight, unless well, they right. become vicious. Craig, a very basic principle is the bad drives out the good. This, this strong, crude, a lot of the offensiveness that Mexicans and, and blacks create towards whites is not even intentional. It's just niggers being niggers. And it's offensive to us because we're more evolved and it bothers us. To them, they don't even notice it. They don't even tend to be offensive in, in half the ways that they're offensive. No, but if somebody's willing to pull a gun and, and put the drop on you and end your consciousness in an instant because they're just willing to do it. Here's an example. A stupid nigger doesn't think like, hey, if I, if I you know, get out and fuck with my car and have the radio going full blast, there might be a white guy n nearby trying to read. A stupid nigger doesn't think, hey, if I open the door and let my vicious uh, 
German Shepherd or Pipple out, it might hop over the fucking fence and attack some girl's dog. They're just fucking niggers. They don't. They aren't even conscious of a lot of the ways that they offend whites, which is in no way to underwrite the ways that they do intentionally offend, attack, and destroy us. Yeah, I was having but, this conversation today. Uh, it's secondary cognitive. Um, that's a secondary cognitive level of analysis uh, where you're thinking ahead of the game, and they don't have it. They're completely immediate sensory yep. uh, satisfaction. Frontal lobes aren't developed, yeah. Right. See something, take it. Be it and pussy, uh, a bottle of malt, malt liquor, you name yeah. it. Consequences, that's a secondary level of analysis that they're not capable of. That, that's a very, very good point. And we are, we are further emasculated and neutralized by our Christianity, which assures us that it's all simply a moral choice. So they drag out the one black in a thousand that has a higher than average higher than white average IQ, and they present him as some sort of model that the others are simply departing from because of these evil liberals and the, the social conditions they set up. Well, the liberals have only exacerbated the problem. Okay, blacks are fundamentally, naturally, genetically different from whites, and they don't fit in the same area. Just like any other subspecies of animals, one drives out the other. They fight, and the one drives it out. But what really handicaps us is that there's a third group, the Jews, who controls the media and prevents us from recognizing the problem which is anterior to dealing with the problem. We have to use our terms and our frames. That's why you should be listening to Goyfire, and you should be telling your friends to listen to it so you can hear for the first time what's actually going on in, in language that will allow you to, to grasp it, and then we come together and we do something about it. The black is the symptom. The Jew is the disease. Professor Kevin McDonald in the Culture of Critique said that before the Jews came, we were essentially a consensual experience. Well, you might say, well, the niggers didn't consent to it because, because they were imported here in slave ships. Well, you know what? Who cares? The, the, the point is that they're an extreme minority still in this society. They have influence far, far beyond what white people would ever have uh, pretended that they're capable of had not the Jews come here from the late third of the 19th century, Ellis Island, for instance. You would think every fucking American in this country came through Ellis Island. No, a lot of us are descended from people who were here in the 1600s. And uh, the, the, the Jews constantly did this. They kvetched, complained, whined, demanded, because that is their culture. And uh, Professor McDonald in the Culture of Critique says it, and he even uh, points out how Freud, you know, he, uh, Freud in past years has become uh, totally discredited, except among a certain coterie of, of, of mostly Jewish psychoanalysts and that school. But uh, mm -hmm. uh, he was recognized, look, Time Magazine in the 70s and the 60s, just constantly Freud, Freud, Freud. It's just a big phony. It's just a big, bellowing phony. Uh, he was full of himself. And, well, Jews, uh, yeah, and, Jews invent pseudosciences. That he was a pseudoscientist. There's yeah. nothing scientific about it, and he hated he hated Goyim too. Yeah. And they want to they want to destabilize us by uh, claiming that our basic mentality is, as Craig said, pathological. And Craig gets that from McDonald. McDonald says there are attempts. It's an academic way of putting it. They want to pathologize. That means treat as something sick or present it to you as something sick. The ordinary white way of living, in which the man heads the family and makes many of the decisions uh, on the most important stuff, and, and the women and children are subsidiary, but yet more respected than they are in this supposed society where they're equal, but they're, they're equal in their exposure to being raped and molested by Jewish means and, and, and nigger rapists. But there, there's a guy on our board who enlisted, uh, I think it's, what was it called, maybe you remember, uh, just uh, crack smoker .com, wasn't it, or something? 
I think it was cracksmoker.com and, you know, uh, uh, New Nation uh, News, newnation.org has listed they have a special sports page too. Uh, Again, Metzger's talked about it. This country is just full of Jesus and sports. I'm so sick of it. It's just like it's not even real. I just cannot understand it. But uh, in cracksmoker.com, they've got all these niggers with university degrees, just like SciADX we talked about last week. And uh, these are held as the paradigms of, of, of physical uh, greatness and what we should emulate. And, and white people, I, I tell you, I must be so out of step with people. I don't understand how their fascination with it, Alex. I don't get it. Tell me. I don't get it. Well, I, I grew up in a family where we played a lot of sports. I had one of my uncles was a uh, minor league baseball. Uh, I played sports my whole life, and all I did was pretty much read and play sports. So I like sports. I even I like pro sports. I like college sports, but they've become so niggerized and, and so tied into the the Jewish political uh, system that it, it, it's become ridiculous. You know, it really is a celebration of, of essentially criminality rap by another reason. Yeah, yeah overt criminality. I mean, they. I was on the, the uh, board for our local uh, little town here in Missouri, 17,000 people, and they were talking about a uh, black student who uh, had committed crimes that were overlooked. Well, it's the same thing here in the Division Two as at Division One, where you had that, uh, what was his name, uh, Luther something over at Illinois. Illinois came in second in college basketball. I mean, this guy had, what had he done? He basically, like, I think beat the hell out of him and possibly raped someone, and they just fucking overlook him and put him back on the team. And, you know... <laughs> What happens when that's your daughter? When 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 you watch sports and you buy you know two hundred dollar Nikes, you're playing into a system that absolutely degrades and despises you, white man. So that, that's and the pretense that they're sports. getting college degrees is really offensive to me. I don't care if they're studying fucking sociology; they're not capable. They cannot. You just listen to their standard English. Now, what they consider standard English, it's just pathetic. It just goes on and on and on. And then yeah. you see their criminality and their rapes and uh, and. and how regular white people can be so self-loathing? Uh, you, you know, Craig, there was a uh, who was it years ago? There was a black lineman. One of his names was Dexter, and and Mike Dicka called said he was dumb as a watermelon, and he graduated from University of Oklahoma, and he was fucking illiterate, literally illiterate, and he had a degree from you know uh, one of the big land grant schools. So that tells you where it is. So this this society is just such a it's such a, sh- a sham and such a charade. That really all you can do is is try to keep it off you, fight it, find other people who want to live a different way. Well, that's just it. It's gotten to the point where it's so internalized with most people that they perceive people like us as mental maladjusts. I mean, they're Mm -hmm. really serious about it. They're dead fucking serious about it, you know? Mm -hmm. And so (laughs) what that indicates is that their self resonance or their powers of uh, consciousness as they're being a conscious being is terribly crippled. Uh, yeah, I, I think it's 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 so deep that it's at the point that it, it's not merely that we are one rejected option. It's that the tools necessary, the intellectual training and the cultural background necessary to appreciate what we're saying has been destroyed. You can't assume any basis of knowledge in anybody that you talk to. You can you can assume that any illusion you make to something not on TV or any direct reference to something from literature or something from history will not be understood and will be taken as evidence of your own pretentiousness. And I was talking, Alex, at your own risk. I was talking to my brother, who's about 40 years old, 
And I said, look, uh, I'm thinking about making some movies about the Thracians, you know. And I mm -hmm. quoted this Metropolitan Museum of Art, the book I have. And from 1977, 8.5 uh, by 11, colored, glossy. It even has photos of all the Thracian gold, which was discovered, one 11-inch uh, uh, vessel with a beautiful gold, all solid gold. It weighed something like 27 pounds. And uh, clearly bearded and, and long-haired white people. The Thracians were whites. And then they've had a recent discovery in Bulgaria in which they've, uh, just in the past few weeks, I guess, and uh, their gold goes is dated now from to 4000 B.C., so it predates Egyptian gold, I guess. Mm -hmm. And the Ukrainians found a skull 1.8 million years old, and, and I suggested filming some of these things. And uh, also the uh, Tukarian mummies in, in China where they have the swastika on the plate. And the Jews of the ADL taught us that old Hitler was having a big fantasy. Well, how come it's there in uh, physical materials 1,500 years before the birth of Jesus? And so I'm, I was telling my brother about all this, and I thought I thought I made some movies maybe, and, you know, just teaching mm -hmm. and showing these things. You know, you don't get to, in a museum in Sofia, Bulgaria very often and look at these things. The media won't show us. Mm -hmm. And he said, well... The guy's sitting in the bathtub in some hotel, and he's got his cell phone on like he can't be bothered even. And then he says, yeah, I suppose there might be some limited interest there. He said, a few people might be interested in that, but not very many. Mm -hmm. What you can know. you say? I mean, it, it, effectively, yes, they've, they've decreased the size of the market for genuine culture, and they've also driven real learning underground. I mean, people, oh, we're, we're smarter. We know more than people ever before. They're so dismissive of everything that came before us. Well, the chance that we're the new dark age is real, real big. Okay, real big. But people never want to believe that about their own time. They always think, oh, we're the most advanced ever. We don't believe in witches. We believe in equality. We don't. Yep. We don't look for witches. We, you know, we chase racists. Yep. And then there's just it's under it, it's not understood anymore that saying something critical is equated with saying something illegal, in the minds of a hell of a lot of people in a, in a very feminized and brainwashed society. Saying anything that's not nice, well, why would you want to do that? And it quickly goes from, well, why would you want to do that to you shouldn't be allowed to do that. It's wrong. It's morally and legally. Morally and legally wrong, yeah. And it, we, that's what we see in Canada, where they, they will overtly say that, look, free speech is not the most important thing. Not offending people is more important. You want to, you want to live like a Canadian? Not me. I want yeah, to live well, free, they, like, like Winicky or Winicky, however you pronounce his name. We ought to have him on here one of these days. Yeah, sure. yeah, well, once you build a house of glass, the most important rule is no throwing stones. Yeah, I, I like it. And uh, that's what they, they've writ large, and free speech is a lot of stones against uh, you know, a yeah, house of glass. It, it's just hilarious that they will write about anti-Semitism in Europe nonstop and never once mention that criticizing Jews and talking about the Holocaust is illegal. You're, you're only allowed to discuss things in Jewish terms, using Jewish frames. There's always a Jew between you and whoever you want to speak to. And that's what they fear about the Internet and about like free radio like this so much, is that any sucker can get on there. He can go to our website, govnn.com. He can join our forum at vnnforum.com. He can watch our TV on our multimedia page. He can, he can watch chain interviewing people. And there's no goddamn Jew between him and the received uh, end product. Right. Well, speak, that. well, speaking of innovative media, we have uh, a follow-up on the Sheehan story. Some storm fronters took the initiative and actually traveled down to Crawford, Texas, to promote white nationalism. 
this is a report uh, that I got off uh, Stormfront uh, from a poster by the name of Benjamin Franklin. He's reporting firsthand uh, from Crawford, Texas. And I quote, Yesterday was a good day. As I arrived, I took a leftist hitchhiker to a watering hole. She cautiously asked if I was pro or anti-war. I replied, I supported Afghanistan, but I'm here to protest Iraq. She gave an unrestrained sigh of relief. I said that before she gets too excited, I'm from the far right, a storm fronter. She then shook my hand and said with a big smile, Welcome, we knew you guys were coming. Uh, in private, there's definite sympathy, even a hushed understanding on the left. Me and several other posters spent time visiting with liberals. We feasted on their sodas, cookies, and meals as we visited and talked about Zionism. Most importantly was in private talks. They all exclusively agreed concerning the Zionist neocon influence of the war. Everybody knows it, but stormfronters will speak the truth in public. The same applies to the right, pro-war people, definite sympathy. These are decent Americans who aren't sure how to respond to our message. They seem surprised for clean-cut, well-educated, and well-spoken decent Americans. Although they support Bush, the Republican Party, and see the war as patriotic, in private, though, they're extremely angry about the border situation, even angrier regarding the changing demographics of America from a nice, clean, traditional white country of the 50s to the modern outpost of the third world where every white, Christian, or decent person is demonized. So, yeah, there you have it, uh, left and right in Crawford, Texas. Well, you know, the Jews go nuts about the idea that, uh, that uh, there might arise a coalition of forces against them, that some of their favorite stuff has always been uh, putting up a dozen different false fronts that they are coordinating, but no one is allowed to see that. And they, that, So what they'll do is cite commies and cite neo-Nazis and claim that that somehow invalidates what Sheehan has said. And, and they're, they're so firm in their control, they usually simply cite it. They don't even bother to refute it or assess what is said. What the Jews like to do is throw stuff at the wall and see what sticks. So they'll, they'll try to call Sheehan a Nazi. They'll try to call her a commie. They'll try to call her a liberal. Whatever will play with a fodder the free republic fodder. And all the, the gelded right really has is a mutual fear of being disrespectable. So the minute that one of them strays a little too far and goes, hey, that Sheehan has a point, the rest of them are, oh, oh, you can't say that. She's a commie. She's a Nazi. She's a liberral. Something wrong with you? And there, there, there's frantic little mice scurrying around. Yeah, well, isn't left and right a construction uh, of itself that, that divides Americans into two totally artificial camps? White yeah. Americans, you mean? Yes. 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 At this point, that's true. There are real philosophical differences between left and right, but in 2005, America that, that is played by the. This is yes. This is played by the Jews to as a false division and distraction from the the real problem, which is whites versus Jews. The Jews are using our white people to sustain their wars over in Iraq, and even diverting money from paying for our levies to keep our cities from being flooded. They don't care. It's not a bunch of Jews who drowned in New Orleans. It, yeah, were, imagine if it were Israelis. Imagine where Shertoff would have done, you see? Well, well, well Craig, here's, that. here's where it's going to come to a head. 
Now, the, the Kikes are prepared to ask Americans to pay for the, the larger part of the uh, funding of the, uh, the removal of those Kikes from, uh, from Gaza. So they're going to go in here and they're going to say, we demand, and I guarantee you, they're going to have to downplay it because it's, it's so obvious that even, even the idiots might pick up on it. What's our federal government going to do for the people down in New Orleans versus what's it going to do for the Jews in Gaza? Well, you know whose interests always prevail in America. Always the Jewish interests come out ahead of the Americans' interests. And they don't want anybody to know what that. So what they'll probably do is sneak through that 225000 per family sponsored by Americans. Uh, and, uh, you know, an attachment to some other bill, and it'll go through on Saturday night, and no one will talk about it. That's that's the nature of a Jew-operated country. Everything redounds to their benefit, and nothing redounds to our benefit. Everything redounds to our blame and our discredit. What we see in Sheehan here is the point is, above all, the Jew wants to avoid arguments. He doesn't he doesn't want to deal with the substance of what she says, so he smears her. Yeah, I have, I have actually been reading the Free Republic, and I find it interesting that you mentioned that because the dynamics over there... A lot of it's uh, Christian, and they're, they're very upset about Sheehan. Uh, it's, it's just beyond, you know, what would you, you consider normalcy. In fact, they even organized uh, uh, military families who completely disagree with her, and they, and they planted them down there, took them down there, and made sure they all got there, and so forth. But it, it's painful to see military families who are fighting this war in Iraq, uh, yet another war that's really not in America's interests. It's just they might, they ought to call it the Semite War. But yeah, I, I agree, and, and it's dismaying to see again uh, uh, white people fighting white people and not getting the crux of the problem, which is uh, just the invasion of this country by, from every race uh, you could name, uh, cheerleaded by the and affected by the Jewish religion and people. You know, what about mm-hmm. the information mentioned in this report? On the one hand, you had the leftist girl who said, "We knew you were coming." And on the other hand, we had the depiction of the rightist war supporters that were furious about the Mexican invasion going on in Texas. How do they keep from cracking under the strain? That's that's all I have to say. If I was a big time patriot, you know, which I like to think I am, but on the other hand, how could I just overlook Bush's open border policy to Mexico if I'm a Texan? Well. Let, let me let me jump in there because it'll give me a chance to promote uh, VNN Associated film, The Line in the Sand, by Byron Jost, a young uh, young independent filmmaker, and uh, he documents the uh, the Jewish source of the invasion problem. Yeah, the the whole thing there is, as you correctly point out, there's a giant gap. Bush is opposed to the people. Bush is sides with the Jews and wants all these Mexicans in here. And even the the patriotards or the free free republic people disagree with Bush on that. The point is, it's difficult to bring that to a head because we don't control the major media. Now, say we control something like ABC News, and we could bring that up every night, how, hey, Bush is at war with the people. Yet again, the administration refuses to enforce the will of the people by shutting down the government and kicking out the illegals already here. Yet again, you know, you can continually beat that over and over and over and over. The government is at war with the people. The Republicans and conservatives are no different from the liberals. They're both combining against you, the basic white American people. You pound that every night, and then you've got an issue of it. But we don't control the paper, and we don't control the broadcasters. The Jews control all those satellites, and they beam out there. They're just playing it along. They're trying to, they just, all they've got to do is not let it get into too big of a thing, and that's what we're trying to work against with the line in the sand. And our constant harping on the government is illegitimate. It's at war with the interests of ordinary white Americans. They need to follow us. We overtly say we represent white people. 
these other conservatives, liberal, they're afraid to be known as white people. They're just, they're, they're, they're gelded. And this is an issue where we can crack it because they are 100% with us. We all don't want to mix with Mexicans. There's not, you could go basically to anywhere in American society. They don't want to bring in more illegal invaders. Even the illegals already here don't want more illegals in the country. So the, the elite is completely at odds with the people. It's purely the Jews controlling the media that prevents that issue from being brought to a head and, and uh, culminating in Bush's being dismissed or impeached, as, he, as Buchanan and other system commentators are, are even now calling for. Yeah, well, I wonder how he can even show his face in a place like Crawford, Texas, with his t uh, completely anti-Texas uh, domestic uh, program. Well, people are just, uh, they don't pay too much attention, and they, they searching like there's a lot of Mexicans around here. They don't, as, as Byron says, a lot of people are not even aware of the act that changed the face of America, as the newspapers of the Jew, the Jew control paper loves to say, you know, showing composites of, this is what the average American looks like, you know, brown skin because, you know, a third of the people here are already colored. Um, so the public is basically not very smart, and its attention can only focus on very simple things and, and for not for a very long period of time. And so the people who have the upper hand in the media focus on building up Saddam as this evil dictator. When it comes to Mexican invasion, they, they don't cover it, or else they claim that it's diversity that makes America better. All they have to do is just stall for time, stall for time, stall for time, because each night, Literally thousands of new Americans come here from South America. Okay, so we have to force the issue, and it's difficult because we don't have the major media. If you make the point to people that a third of the uh, people in our prisons, both federal and state, I guess, on average, with all the states, uh, are Mexicans, and they're not being held on immigration charges, they're in there for violent crimes, well... How can that be? A third of the people, I mean, how can it be so out of whack? It's because uh, they're very violent, just like these uh, MS-13 uh, who are experts at decapitation and... Uh, machetes. Uh, yeah, machetes, fingers, they cut off hands, fingers. Well, they're all over Al uh, Ale Alexander County, I guess it is, uh, in Virginia, and, and the FBI actually has a, a task force because there are 30,000 of them in 30 states. It's the first time they've organized a specific task force for a gang, and they're getting white kids up in the panhandle of West Virginia to join this gang in the high schools. You know, they show up in schools with their bandanas and their colors and such. So uh, Alex has talked before about how dumbed down the white kids are in language and thinking skills, so they cannot possibly understand. You know, I was at the bank Friday afternoon, and, and I'm in a remote part of West Virginia. You have to, it's like 60 miles in here, and there's, one, there's three ways in and out, essentially. And it's 60 miles to get to an interstate. But there were 20 Mexicans at the bank. And uh, I asked the teller, I said, do you accept matricula consular cards? She said, yes, very definitive, right away. And what a matricula consular card is, it allows people who are not, not even, they don't even have a legal right to be here. You, you go out and try to get a bank account, a white American, they'll, say, they'll want to see your Social Security card, uh, driver's yeah, license yeah. or passport. Yeah. But for these Mexicans, I, I'm trying to get another bank now. I, I, I let them know, too, and as a matter of fact, I let the Mexicans know, and if they want to come and arrest me for that, yeah, go ahead and do it. And, and you watch. I'll get on this jury right here in Pocahontas County and let them try it. I bet there's one white male on that jury that refuses to convict me. But uh, you, you can't do anything in this country without a Social Security card. Yeah. And, and you're so, an American. <laughs> they, have a, they have stuff so, so controlled now, that, and they're so jealous of any kind of competition. If you want to get a private postal box, you have to have like two photo IDs and 
all kinds of other identification to get it, and you have to pay a huge fee because the post office doesn't want any competition. You know, the, the only people that the government makes it easy for are these criminal invaders. And that, is, that, that is a nation dying. That is the death throes of a nation. And like Strobe Talbot and all these, these other Jews said, you know, nation states are outmoded. Wesley Can Clark said the same thing over in Eastern Europe. Nation states are outmoded. They have no place in the 21st century except in Israel. Always this double standard that benefits Jews. Always we are the ones who pay the price. Always the Jews are the ones who reap the benefits. And these coloreds, they, they are headless. They have nothing to do with it. They are simply an effect of the Jews controlling the political system. And they bring them in here because it's good for Jews. Well, let me tell you, Goy Fire listener, all that matters to you, all that ought to matter to you is what is good for whites? What is good for me and my family? What is good for our community? Fuck the Jews. Fuck the Mexicans. Fuck the illegals. Fuck the niggers. Fuck the Africans down in New Orleans. All that matters is what is good for us white people? And, you know and from that which dies, something else is going to arise, and we're on the uh, white yeah, curl of we're, that. Yeah, we're what's coming way. after America, because you can see it's going down the shitter. I mean, if Katrina proved one thing, that's it, man. It turned into a giant blue, giant disgusting blue gumbo whipped up by Katrina Bickle. Yeah, well, I think a lot of guys are waiting for the uh, Crown Victorias to just disappear, to be commandeered, and to just take matters into their own hands because payback's a bitch. <laughs> Make these niggers start flipping flipping the logs looking for grubs like they do in Africa. That's exactly what it was like. I mean, it was like this thing pulled, flipped over a log and you see all these niggers scurrying around to the extent obese creatures can scurry and, and it just, you know, it reveals their animals. Well, they, they return to their natural, their, their, natural, uh, their natural cultural habit of cannibalism. They report said. Well, they, they they said that. I haven't seen that ex- absolutely proven that, that that went on, but certainly if, if you kept the power and the lights off for a couple more days, that would be happening. Well, it's just like when they rape little 12, 13, 7-year-old white girls, they're not going to show us the white girls either, which is a, I'll tell you, in a, in a white civilization, I bet that would change. Uh, yeah, well, all, we, all, we, all the evidence we've seen that, uh, that whites are under attack is like the front page of, I think the New York Post showed a white guy beaten up, and that's about it. The Aryan Alternative, news and views for whites you won't find anywhere else. The Aryan Alternative is a print publication of uncensored news for whites. Issue 2 is available now. Be the first in your neighborhood to distribute news without the Jews by ordering 100 copies for $12 through the Vanguard News Network. Visit GoVNN.com for ordering information. The Aryan Alternative and the Vanguard News Network. No Jews, just right. Live chat. 24-7. IRC or Java. Pick your poison. White racialist. Intercourse. Live and online. VNN Live. That's right. Live chat for VNN. VNN.MINE.NU. 1488-join. Number VNN. And for you Java folks, HTTP colon double slash vnn dot mine dot nu colon 88 slash vnn live antis need not apply come get some you're listening to vanguard radio Shizzle, my niggas it's time for the tmb section of our program 
we are leaving Western society behind us in this program and entering the TNB section, as if we haven't been covering it all night. Uh, we have a special section devoted to the stories that got pushed under the rug by Katrina. The Nog Zone. Yeah, the Nog Zone. Uh, Seattle, two war heroes beaten outside a Seattle nightclub. And it's all caught on tape. Assault suspects, Seattle police say, unwanted touching and a food fight led to the beating. The problem started outside a Pioneer Square nightclub. A man groped a woman waiting in line to get in. The trouble escalated. Much of it was caught on tape. Seattle police say a witness recently came forward with a videotape of the brutal beating in progress. According to detectives, one woman and another were both groped outside of Larry's nightclub around 2.30 a.m. on Sunday. One of their husbands got involved. He did not take kindly to his wife being groped by an individual, unquote, so he verbally confronted that man, and a heated conversation ensued. Well, you can see the video on TV. The two victims who were knocked to the ground are both Gulf War veterans. They both served a year in Iraq and came back last January. So here they are back in Seattle, and this is the kind of welcome they receive, said Whitcomb. Those victims have suffered broken jaws, split lips, and possibly a broken arm. Tonight, police are searching for three men, and they're all black. You know, you know, they have pretty clear pictures of them. It's been a long time. They still haven't found them. I wonder why. I suppose they're very protective of them in the environment they live in in Seattle. Uh, they all look alike to me. Uh, one has a, a, a baseball cap on backwards. Uh, the other has a FUBU shirt on. But Farmers used to buy us. <laughs> what makes them war heroes, anyway? They routinely use that to describe anybody who's a soldier. It reminds me of when that, what was his name, Grady was shot down? The plane, he's called some kind of a hero. You know, he's in the service of the New World Order, flying over a country that's just trying to protect itself. He gets shot down and doesn't manages not to get caught for a couple of days, and that makes him some kind of hero. And now the guy goes around speaking to all these business conventions. You know, that's, that's who we will be in the future. If we ever have to militarily defend ourselves from one of these non-whites, I mean, on a, on a regional or national basis, we'll be insurgents. <laughs> Defending, yeah. uh, trying to upset the natural order of, our, uh, of the country. Insurgents in our own country. Yeah, why aren't the Iraqis over there trying to liberate themselves from Jew-imposed Hessians? Uh, why aren't they called uh, freedom fighters? They're fighting for the freedom of their land, fighting to be free of uh, American control from Jews. I think you're control. confusing that with, with the freedom fighters who went in and, and tossed the Palestinians out. But those are freedom fighters, Alex, and that's what they want us to believe. Rabin yeah. and all of them, the Stern gang. Yeah, there's a great quote from uh, Sultanitsyn in which he basically says, you know, to defend yourself you have to be willing to die, and there's none of that in a materialist culture dedicated to self-indulgence. But once you are ready to die, then you can find success, and that's what they found in Iraq. They are willing to kill, and they are eventually going to win. In fact, a lot of people think the war is basically over now. We've pretty much utterly bogged down there. It just would have been better if we'd left it well enough alone and left Saddam running it. I mean, he was enough of our puppet in the first place anyway. He was a creation of our intelligence operations. It's not the Jewish way to leave other nations alone. It's the Jewish way to infest them and infect them and lie about them and attack them. And and that's where we're getting away from our own traditions. It's just pitiful. Well, this table reminds me a lot of Katrina. You've got a bunch of shiftless nogs standing around and uh, basically a lawless situation where a mob of them sets in and beats two men senseless. 
And uh, this all the while, while 70% of white soldiers in Iraq are fighting Zionist wars. Yeah, these events are increasingly common in the United States, and uh, they're worst, of course, where, where the people are even around you. The best thing is to get somewhere where there are very few of them around, if any. And, and this is up in Seattle, which has a particularly politically correct or semitically correct uh, white infrastructure and is very much geared towards, oh, we're a part of the Pacific Rim, you know, and integrating all the Chinese that are manifold mm -hmm. up in Vancouver and in the Seattle and uh, pretty much everywhere on the West Coast, San Francisco traditionally, but now, you know, certainly in L.A. and, and, and uh, cities northern. And we're supposed to act like, you know, these people... Uh, we're basically supposed to give way and get out of the way of these people, and part of that means when they commit crimes against us, we just sort of sweep it under the rug and ignore it. Whereas we go, we go absolutely apeshit if uh, if a white person says even a word against them, as we see in Canada and up in Seattle. You know, you you speak one little word, and they've got their little faggoty human rights networks and such to to harass you. It's random like attack. They call them random attacks. Often their their physical attacks are less than our verbal criticism. Yeah. When you when looked at from a legal point of view, I mean, it's just I, I don't know the stats for Seattle, but like we said down in New Orleans, you know, only a quarter of murders are solved. So, well, this is there, the city where this is the city where Chris Kime was beaten to death by uncounted nogs for defending uh, some white yeah. woman who was being accosted. So, the, the niggers were marauding at one of their street festivals, like they do in pretty much Milwaukee or or uh, Denver or two or Cincinnati, they, they do it all the time. And if they come, a gang of them will come across a white and attack them, and the police, they don't really give a shit, man. They love prosecuting hate crimes. Hate crimes is easy. You go after middle-class white people, and there's no risk to you. Whereas if you prosecute real crimes, you get my implication that hate crimes are not crimes. If you go after real crimes, there's actual danger. There's actual risk. There's actual work involved. Government doesn't like work. Yeah, well, you got to track down 15 nogs and throw them in jail and further yeah. feed and house them at taxpayer expense. Yeah. Again, we're subsidizing the people who are destroying us per Jewish command. Yes, well, on that note, our second TNB, Somalis in the USA, the lost boys of Somalia. In the Katakuma refugee camp in Kenya, Mohammed Mohammed harbored no illusions about the wealth that might greet him in America, only a vision of a place where his children could be safe for once, and where, if he was willing to work hard, he could earn enough to support his family. After ten months in Concord, Mohammed, a resettled Somali Bantu refugee, has learned he was half right. His family has felt welcome in Concord. Volunteers have helped him interpret his mail and enroll his children in recreational programs. But now that Mohammed's front-loaded government aid has run out, he has discovered that his pay as a landscaper, $7 an hour, $280 a week, pre-tax, is not enough to cover his rent and utilities, which can exceed 1100 a month. So this is a long story about how Somalians are not making the grade in the U.S. That's Concord, he Massachusetts? Ended. That's where he is? Concord, yes. My God. <laughs> Look, there was a story. One of these guys raped. Uh, first, he'd stalked a newspaper carrier. They call her a carrier. Now, they don't tell you if it was a boy or a girl. This was in Lewiston, Maine. 
And, uh, of course, the National Alliance was up there uh, three or four years ago. And uh, then this nigger raped uh, a woman, and they gave him 18 months. And, and they're doing this increasingly in this country with niggers. They give them 18 months for rape. It's, I think now the standard penalty, 18 months, and uh, for, for just a simple rape. What do you read, 18 well, months of rape? I, 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 that's actually a TAA3 story. I actually uh, researched that and sent it. Uh, I'm not sure okay. the source now, but you have it. And, uh, yeah, I've got his right. picture and everything. Uh, look, it's just going on all over the country. And the NA talked about how they'll rip off the, the doors from kitchen cabinets and put chicken wire in front of it and, and have their chickens laying right up there in their public welfare apartments. So, in other words, if they want an egg, they just reach up there and get it. Then they, they've started fires <laughs> in the middle of these apartments. Yeah, it's nuts. They've started fires to keep warm. They, they claim that the Bantus, they don't even know how to work a doorknob. Now, get this. Now, this, this, the article continues, but it smacks of Katerina in a lot of ways. They use refugee, but here it goes on. Mohammed has relied on food stamps to keep his seven children and his pregnant wife fed, but his income has not left enough for staples like soap and diapers. Can you imagine seven Somalis squatting in an apartment taking big crafts and not even having diapers to catch them? So, so, so this again, is America. This is, this is what the Christians bring in. Take, yeah. and the money to bring these people in comes right out of your pocket, white listener. And your church. Yeah, the, the Methodists have a whole immigration section of their church dedicated. So do the Lutherans. Yeah, Luth this, in this case, it was the Lutherans. Lutheran yeah, Social yeah. Services, a federal subcontractor that resettles refugees in New Hampshire, has placed 68 Bantu immigrants in Concord since last October. Yeah, they, they get off on how they're doing the Lord's work in destroying your neighborhood and forcing you to pay for it. And the, the fags have the last laugh because, you know, a lot of the, the priests coming out of these seminaries are gay. And it's not just... It's the Methodists, the Lutherans, and the Catholics, too. The Catholic Charities is big into that. We had about 18 months ago, uh, we linked to their message board. These, these Somalis have a message board, and they talk to each other in their, in their uh, uh, sing-song, uh, pigeon, whatever it is. And, and uh, this was about the North Dakota Somalis who'd raped some white girls up there. In the middle of North Dakota, they're planning these people. You know, it's just going on everywhere, and if you don't like it, you're a bad person. We're going to change it. And we're going to change it at VNN. And uh, people across this country, even powers that be, are realizing that we're saying things that nobody else will say. And, and let me say, this is a good example of, of where some useful activism can be done. There's a, uh, uh, there's a preacher, I forget his name, and he specializes in handing out flyers and demonstrating outside of Christian churches who side with Israel and their abuse of the Palestinians. Well, this can be done outside of churches that sponsor these the importation of these uh, African exotics. Uh, why not have people print up flyers and go stand outside of their church and say, you guys are destroying our community in the name of higher morality, and we don't like it. It's a very good example of practical, useful, and fairly easy activism. All right, as, as opposed to going and standing in, in some park where they have you, you know, constrained 500 yards away and no one can hear you, and there's limited usefulness to that, but this is something that this type of crap is in almost every major American city, has some kind of problem like this at the the local Protestant and Catholic churches are towing the Jew line and, and, and supporting. Well, when they educate children through MTV that these are the most laudable, desirable uh, males possible, and these young uh, white girls believe it, it's just disgusting what they, they come prey to. I mean, they're just total innocence being imbued with this foolishness. 
It's just criminal. It literally is criminal. That's why we say the government's criminal. And these churches are criminal, too. All these loony Christians. Hey, fuck you, you loony Christians. We're not afraid to say it. You know, We don't believe in a, Jew, a Jewish God. We don't believe any. I listened to the radio the other day, you guys. They had this thing. It's called katiesomething.com. And it was, uh, uh, you can make a difference for, for a, a, a Jew in Israel to, uh, you know, it's one of these Christian things that it sends Jews into Israel or uh, it just goes on and on and on. And uh, they, they've tied this up in, the, in people's minds or in, in their re- religiosity to believe that the connection is, uh, I mean, it's as real as, as the man in the moon to these people. Yeah, well, we've got a, a Palm Beach County uh, commissioner, Addie Green. Uh, attempted money to clarify the comments she made in the wake of the Gerard Miller case involving a face-off between mostly white police on one side of the room and mostly black political and religious leaders on the other. Angry police and sheriff's deputies made it clear they didn't care much about what Green had to say and demanded she resign from Palm Beach County Commission. And did that nigga play the race card? Uh, in 2003, Green criticized then-Sheriff Ed Belush over what she said was a dearth of high-ranking minorities in the sheriff's office and his response to her concerns. Quote, I consider him not only being a racist, but disrespectful to me as a female and an elected official, Green said at the time. Niggers are big on respect, and they're, they're very low in respectability, though. And a very little giving, giving respect to other people, too. Oh, and Everyone yeah. can experience that on the street or anywhere. The, yeah. These these niggers in, in New Orleans, they're shooting at the incoming help at the same time. They go, white man don't care about us, man. Them motherfuckers, them rich white folk, they would have been in there before that shit happened. They make us niggers go over here to the Astrodome. We got to wait five days. You know, they, And then they ain't no more licking them deliveries, motherfucker. They're just fucking That's what they say the, the, the dope fiend's out looking for a fix, and they're frustrated. I guess there's just not enough at the local uh, friendly pharmacy or whatever neighborhood pharmacy. I mean, imagine the pills they're pulling out of there. They can't get they can't get high still. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah well, they bring in. Uh, here's a good quote: uh, Addressing the police and deputies, she said, "There is a fear that we must get rid of in the African American community." And you can help us by not doing what you're doing here, attacking us as we are bringing forth what we believe is the voice of God here today. Well, so. if, you, if, if you put any nigger in charge of anything, what you're going to get is they're going to steal the money. They're going to hire their incompetent brothers. And when they're eventually caught years down the line, they're going to blame the white man and blame racism. But, it, but the truth is the minute that real pressure comes down, they'll all quit. They'll join in with the criminals. I love that the best shot of this is that, that, that nigger cop down in uh, Louisiana walking out with the He's got about eight CDs in his paw. That nigger looks happy. Man, they're not troubled by morality. I mean, morality to a large extent is genetic like everything else. These, these people are more like animals. They don't really have much of a capacity for moral choice. All right, well, this elected official, the stink arises over this quote that you made last week. Quote, I can no longer ask my young black men, when you see a law enforcement coming towards you, run, or put your head down, or put your hand in your pocket. 
No. Go to where there's the biggest crowd of people he can find, because if he doesn't, he will be killed. Yeah, and that's another bullshit myth the Jews have circulated and given currency in the black community, that you know somehow the cops pose a big threat to these law-abiding niggers. I mean, it, it's, so, it's so upside down, it, it's so disproportionate. Uh, that what can you say? You can merely observe it, and you never see what you <laughs> observe reflected in the media. I mean, cops are a threat to niggers. The cops are one of the few things that's keeping the niggers off other niggers. The, the minority of niggers that wants to work and, and be respectable, I mean, if it wasn't for the cops, they wouldn't have any chance at all. And uh, you can also blame the Jews for getting rid of the, the talented tent. When they, when, they got rid of, when they got rid of the freedom that they denounced as segregation, that allowed the... the uh, Talented tenth, the, the the section of the niggers that are able to act white, to escape into the white community, thereby depriving the black community of a head, and they're letting it run, uh, run apeshit, and that's exactly what you see today. All of these places we're talking about too, in uh, uh, major cities in South Florida and, and New Orleans and Seattle, even Seattle now I think is around sixty some percent non-white, and, and I know that sounds. A lot, and we, we have a thread on VNInformed, uh, VNInformed.com, and it's a, it lists all the cities in this country, and it tells what the demographics are, and it's really changing. But all of these places we're talking about are subject to cultural conflict between races, and the media won't usually portray it at that unless they say it's, it's, it's the blacks who are being discriminated against here. And all those cops you showed up, um, they just said showed up, they said the great, almost all of them were whites who said that she had to resign. They came with their T-shirts. Yeah, well, they and were the uh, racists uh, who were giving her flack for telling uh, black uh, yeah. uh, perpetrators to run from police. As a right, and, and back to the Katrina, that'll be uh, ultimately the big racist issue. I wouldn't be surprised if these people end up with about two, two to five hundred thousand each, essentially. And I mean, imagine the, you know, back there in New Orleans being trucked down there. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it is a racist issue, and the racist is we don't want to be around racist blacks. Racist whites don't want to be around racist blacks, and which is a, it's a it's a racial conflict. And in this country, it, it it can't be mentioned unless the whites are the bads, and and all the non-whites as a as a massive umbrella group are the goods and the innocents and, and the, the preyed upon. And, and it's just. Yeah. It's only our women who tend to support this at this point. Apart from radical uh, leftist women, again, because they're matriarchal in their uh, their natural genetic disposition to to being nurturers, uh, support it. William Gailey Simpson talks about it in a whole huge long chapter, and he makes other references in Which Way Western Man. You can get it on Amazon. It, it's just reached the point of death to us. Yeah. We're, we're either going to stop. And there'll be few of us. You know, you people who want to live in it, have at it. We want you to be in New Orleans. You know, you stay there. You stay in wherever these places are. Some certain number will refuse to. Yeah, I mean, blacks are basically their children. They want all the they want all the goods. They want the cars. They want the liquor. They want the TV. They want all the fun, and they want none of the responsibility. And the respect. So, they expect respect. Yeah, they don't they, give. They it. demand respect when you point out these two things are. You know, you can, you can have the goods when you assume the responsibility. Well, they're not capable of assuming the responsibility. So they they go to what the media puts in their mouths. You know, the white man's responsible for all your problems. The white man's the one to blame. He's he, he's the, the hater. How do whites manage to succeed when blacks hate them? Well, most whites don't hate blacks. They don't even really think about them. 
They just observe that they're a problem, and they try to stay out of their way. And for that, they're routinely beaten in Salon and, and by the New York Times and, and the rest of the Jew-controlled media for doing nothing other than trying to protect themselves, which is perfectly fine when every other group practices. Well, it's getting beyond a joke because the population is going to tip to where it's, it's more than 50% minority. And, boy, if you think they're going to have any respect for you other than something to put under their yoke and plow their land, no way. They're going to eat yeah. you until you're dead, bury you, and piss in your grave, white man. That's all that's left for you in this country. Unless you band together as whites and you destroy the Jew who has made all this possible, the blacks by themselves could never could never pull it off. They're too easily controlled. They don't have the brains to. Yeah, look at the official respect whites get in Zimbabwe and South Africa. That's the, that's the type of respect you can uh, expect. Yeah. And let me pick up on that point because now if we control the media, we could say, look, white man, here's your future. In Zimbabwe, there used to be almost 300,000 whites at, at the height. Today, there are only about 30,000 whites in Zimbabwe, and the numbers are dropping, and the, and the nation's destroyed, and the niggers are all starving. We could make the logical connections that need to be made to explain to people that, look, these are not fellow Americans. They're Africans in America. Okay, Na A nation is made up of a race of people. It's not made up of people who happen to live and inhabit the same geographical region. The, the Jew always lies that it's place, not race, so that if an African's in Britain, he's British. If in Germany, he's a German. If he's in America, he's an American. No, it's an African. They're undesirable. They don't mix with white people. We need to worry about ourselves first, last, and in between. And the Jews are the enemy because they sick these people on us. And a huge percentage of Africans were brought over in Jew-owned slave ships. So don't ever forget that or kid yourself about that, and the Jew will never tell you that. The Jew always escapes responsibility in the Jewish press. He's never responsible for anything. Yeah, well, uh, Bowling Green is the last uh, instance of TMB for tonight's section. The excitement of a Bowling Green State University freshman's first day of classes this week ended in a nightmare when her roommate allegedly attacked her with a hot iron. Heather Haza, 18, of Jefferson, Ohio, was taken to Woods County Hospital, then to St. Vincent's Mercy Medical Center, with a skull <laughs> fracture, bruises, cuts, and a burn. University Bitch, I will Police beat you with your own goddamn iron. <laughs> <laughs> she was the iron broke in half, too. Let's remember yeah, yeah, that. how hard do you have to fucking you break beat someone to hand? break a goddamn iron chain? <laughs> I guess white people have soft skulls compared to niggers. I don't know. Maybe yeah, it hits Sharonda's knuckles on the backlash. I don't know. God, I mean, you, you hear you come out of some small town in, in Ohio and you go to school and, oh, I'm going to get a taste of diversity. Well, you got diversity right into your fucking skull. Yeah, this fucking yeah. well, la, la bitcha picks up an iron and beats the living hell out of this white girl. You think yeah. she's a fucking student? La yeah, Ronda, and you know what? the hell her name was? Why, why, why don't they name it? Why do they name this Hurricane Katrina? Why name? Why not Sharonda? I think you know they're discriminating against blacks. They're not. They're not calling them any mammy names. You know, Latisha or Sharonda. That's, we need a big hurricane named that. You know, Craig. Someone bitched about that years ago, and they were claiming there weren't any like Deshawns and that stuff. That would have been hilarious. They could just yeah, that's what we need. Katrina or something. Yeah, imagine or how Latisha much more colorful it would be if Katrina would name the uh, uh, Teresha or something. See, wouldn't named, it be uh, one? <laughs> Apropos. Yeah, it would. It would. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, all right. Freshmen arrived on campus last Thursday and attended their first classes Monday, early Tuesday, according to the BGSU police report. Ms. Haza returned to her room in Anderson Hall. Here, roommate, her roommate, 
told her they needed to talk about, quote, cameras in the room. Mm -hmm. Sharonda accused her of having a hidden camera in the room. Officer Justin <laughs> Penrose said in a report after interviewing Ms. Haza, Sharonda took a hot, flat iron and started to hit Heather in the head and burning her arm. Miss Haza told the sergeant, Dennis Ellers, her roommate had met her in the hallway and asked her to come to the room so she could show her something. Yeah, Sharonda, for people who don't know, you can't see her face. She has a particularly a simian-looking face. And, and I wouldn't <laughs> doubt that this Heather's a real good-looking girl, too. But but yeah, I think her parents... Probably, yeah, she probably is. Yeah. Probably could her, grow her, hair past her ears, and that, that drove LaShonda nuts. <laughs> and, you know, her parents got their money's worth, you know. You, you, uh, to Heather Haas's parents, and you put her in that predicament, you know what? Good for you. You, you stupid uh, white people to put your daughter in that kind of environment. You got exactly what you deserved. Well, let, let me make a point in that. Uh, uh, admissions officers tend to be particularly politically correct, and often, I would guess, a lot of times, students don't have control over where they're assigned. Like we had, uh, when I was denounced by the college administration, the dean of admissions named Bruce Polk at Pomona wrote a specific separate letter denouncing, uh, denouncing me for writing an editorial. And this clown, in, in a later article in the alumni magazine, he talked about how Pomona was blah, 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 diversity. It's all, all that great stuff. He's like, we would let basically anyone in except for racists. They just don't have any light in their eyes. They're not, they're not open to learning or new experiences. And this is the kind of faggot that is uh, making decisions on, on you know, who your child's going to room with. And don't think for a minute they wouldn't, they wouldn't want to just team them up with a nigger. To, let's teach this country girl about, about the values and the virtues of diversity. Let's be just like the real world MTV, you know, except, and, and it, it is because just on MTV, a lot of times the, uh, the, the niggers will go off because they don't have any self-control. It's largely genetic, encouraged by the culture controllers who, who tell us that it, who validate every exp expression of black rage and, and make illegitimate the slightest white racial criticism of Jews and coons. Yeah, well, well Miss Haza, Haza was covered with blood on her face area and down the front of her shirt. Patrolman Penrose wrote when he arrived, Miss Haza was sitting on the ground with blood on her face and hands holding her head. Two witnesses told police they heard Miss Barkley yell in the hallway, I will hit her again and just, end quote, just take me away, according to the police report. And they gave her a temporary uh, suspension, right? Just temporary. Yeah. Until they look yeah. into the matter. Hey, if you yeah. beat a nigger like that, you'd be fucking thrown into jail for attempted murder, and probably that's right. He would hate be crime. Away. I hate guarantee crime you, would be called a hate yeah. crime. Look at the, you know, some white guy throws a a lit bottle into a synagogue, and they get forty years. Or, or the Jews don't like him, so they they entrap him, give him forty years. Well, niggers don't get anything. I mean, the average time served for murder in this country is like seven years, and like Chains said, rape is something like a couple years. At most, that's for convicted. That's, that doesn't even count the ones that aren't reported or that they get away with. It's just open. And it's like we said on TA. It's open season on whites. And you, as a white man, listen to this. You have to be aware of that. You have to train your kids, and you have to defend yourself at all times. The cops have absolutely no responsibility to defend you, and courts have found that over and over. And these poor white kids who are really, unless they're a prodigy or particularly a you know incisive mind, a girl like this has just gotten the crap beat out of her, and, and it's lucky it didn't it wasn't Burns and, and 
on her face, although she got a skull fracture, I wouldn't doubt but that she'll recover and say, uh, just chalk it up to, well, this, she was nuts, you know. You know, that's another thing I've noticed. When, whenever a nigger kill a white person or a spick nowadays, not whenever, but quite frequently, they'll say you had mental problems. And, and as a matter of fact, half the time they'll haul him off the cookie jar first. Quite had mental problem. He was taking Valium or something, you know, or Xanax. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, come on. You know? There's always an excuse made. There's always an excuse available for blacks. Yeah. when they do what blacks do naturally. And we're never allowed to draw the correct conclusion, which is that we must separate from these people at all costs. They kill us. They put grounds off limits to our type. And our type is better than their type. And that, I, you know, as separatists, whatever. If we're not better than niggers, then <laughs> we are better than niggers. Who let the Jews out? Oh, gosh, are you sure? They're making fun of us again. Who let the Jews out? Jews. Our fifth topic tonight is TJB, which uh, found great resonance in our audience, uh, so we're continuing it this time. Uh, We've got a Jew inventor, Lemelson, makes $1.5 billion in licensing fees. Critics charge that for decades, Lemelson manipulated the U.S. Patent Office. They accuse him of exploiting loopholes that forced 979 companies, including Ford, Dell, Boeing, General Electric, Mitsubishi, and Motorola, to pay 1.5 billion in life. Billion. Now, okay, guys, what does this pick up on from earlier in our show? What were we talking about? What What is the context that allows a kike like this to get away with this kind of garbage? Well, one standard for Jews and another standard for everybody else. Yeah, but what about the law schools, man? Like I said before, I mean, I mean, this is a tit blown up to the size of a of a grape. I mean, he's made one point five billion. He scammed people out of with these bogus patent infringements. I mean, and then the Jews complain that you're an anti-Semite when you call them parasites. He could only get away with this in 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 a legal context where Jews set all all the rules, and in a media context where they set all the frames. Where he's some kind of He's an inventor? Yeah, many times for life it's difficult even to get legal representation. We saw this with Matt Hale, and especially to get competent representation for average whites. Uh, I've called up uh, and tried to get lawyers, uh, you know, within the past couple of years for minor things, and uh, they don't, you know, especially if they know your politics, they're very low to do it, or if you're in a small city or something. You know, because they appear before judges regularly and they have to, if they don't tow the, the, the general uh, PC line or the general uh, trend of the community, it could uh, soil them. But uh, th- th- this guy, what, he'll get 18 months? He was actually charged with something for, for ripping off $1.5 That'll be like uh, Rabbi Judah Feinerman, I would guess. Yeah, well, he recently lost a lawsuit that he initiated uh, claiming oh, he lost that... One. Yeah, he lost one, and this is why he's getting this uh, bad press. In fact, uh, his... his uh, one of the plaintiffs are quoted in, in this article, quote, anything he claims to have invented, he didn't. He's a science fiction writer, said Rod, Robert Shulman, founder, chairman, and chief executive at Cognex Corp. The he, he's gone over the top, even for, even for a kite. He's, uh, I mean, $1.5 billion in bogus licensing fees. How did he get away with it for all these years? Because the context is set up in which the prospers of this type of person. I mean, I saw it when I was in Montgomery County and I was on jury duty. And, you know, both the lawyers were Jews and one of them was 
backing up the bogus claims of this this Haitian or island woman that you know she'd suffered some kind of damage on the bus when it came to an abrupt halt. I mean, the juice. Once you control the system, man, it's just rolling dice. You know, maybe they don't win every case, but they win enough of them to, in this guy's case, profit 1.5 billion. That's an amazing yeah. sum. Hey, it sounds like he had some talent as a writer, which Jews do. They they create literary uh, fiction, as they have in the Bible, and, and they set our mythologies even via Juliet. But it sounds like he had a, tile, uh, a talent for the writing. And then uh, we also see this when people write. You may remember in the 60s, and especially in the late 60s, when a lot of money became available for federal grants. So leftists who could uh, string together a lot of paragraphs and uh, and uh, you know envision the utopia they were going to create would get uh, huge amounts of money from the federal government. Who, who's mm-hmm. the fellow who used to who still promotes that on TV? What he's a Jew, isn't he? Uh, Matthew uh, Lesko, right? <laughs> you too can get money from the federal government. Well, yeah. and, and so as you say, uh, Alex, the the, the the Jewish, uh, if they're not Jews, uh, they're Shabbos Goyes who are sympathetic to the general uh, trend. Uh, there was also somebody who produced a program lately that you could, uh, uh, it would plug in scientific terms. And so all you'd have to do is uh, type in some general, you know, if you wanted to study uh, thermodynamics, you know, you type in thermodynamics and it would kick out a, uh, an incredibly technically sounding paper with you as the author. I, I was typing in Jewish names as the author. Hey, it's online. You can play with it. But this is all the guy did, apparently. It's quite something. It really is mm-hmm. something. I mean, the, the, yeah, well, the depths to which we've sunk. Yeah, well, this guy Lawrence, just made an industry out of parasitism. I mean, it, filing a patent is not cheap. It's expensive, and it's time-consuming to go through. He has a whole staff that's doing this. Yeah, how, but, how does stuff like this exist? Yeah, well, Lawrence Dennis, a former member, uh, gave gave gives some dope on on this guy. Um, he says he Lamelson would file patent after patent after patent based on the vaguest descriptions of possible scientific applications of ideas that amounted to little more than speculations about future inventions. If a patent was rejected, he would file another very similar one. He had a legal staff that did nothing more than handle his lawsuits against people and companies that actually invented real things that might in some way have been similar to his own speculations. What state is he operating out of? I'm going to say right here, New Jersey, but mm-hmm. I could be wrong on that. Let me see here. This, this says a sounds like Jersey, out. New York, or Connecticut or something, yeah. Jerome Lemelson was oldest of three brothers. The father, a physician trained at Columbia University School of Medicine, was a second-generation American of Austrian Jewish descent. Yeah, there's a bunch of Jewry. We've got all this discussed in a thread on the vnnforum.com. We encourage you to join and participate. So, so all the federal lawyers or the federal correspondents to, to, to his staff have to wade through all this nonsense that he, the, the science fiction writer publishes and and just deal with it. You know, right, right here in Marlinton, Pocahontas County, though, we had a big uh, building recently. Now, well, now it went up for auction. It's on the historical register. And this negress who was one of the, what's the, Balahu, Balahai, you know, uh, yeah. she came in there and, in fact, the people downtown say, oh, they're going to they're gonna take care of the drugs with the kids, you know, they're going to have a big, and she got a federal grant. So anyway, they spent up the money and blew it, and uh, then abandoned the whole thing. I'm sure nothing will happen to him. They just went back to Baltimore or something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Took the federal money. And it's, so it's a big uh, uh, quasi-industry, apparently, and this guy picked up on it at the highest level. In fact, he created a new uh, paradigm, a new, new level.
this is the sort of stuff that only having a highly organized, extremely influential and moneyed group of people working with you makes possible. I mean, like, like I said, it is not easy to file patent stuff and get them approved. It costs a lot of money. And to have the infrastructure to where you can get that going is just uh, pretty much only Jews would be capable of operating at that level. Yeah, sounds like a Jewish L. Ron Hubbard or something, huh? They're leveraging, there's so many ways in which Jews can leverage their interest by creating, you know, bogus patent lawsuits or by creating uh, bogus expertise that people then are forced to pay for through government contracts, like diversity and that kind of junk. That uh, the, the, the Jews are just almost uniquely positioned to take advantage of the misery they've caused and to further spread it. It's just that there comes an end point. When the country is filled with third world people, there's just nothing left to suck. At that point, the country is dry. And where the Jews go next, I don't know. I guess China. It may actually come to the point, as it did in uh, in, in uh, Dr. Pierce's novel, where whites just go out and pop uh, people like this in the brain. Just boom. Oh, yeah, it, it certainly Finish may. Me. It certainly yeah. may. I mean, that's uh, physical reprisal is pretty much uh, the, the one form of uh, <laughs> the one way to get back at Jews that's uh, no more illegal than anything else. Since we know where they're ultimately heading, they want to, they want to make shows like this grounds for capital punishment. They want to put the three of us and Stan, our engineer, to death for telling you the truth about Jews and what they're up to. They want to make that a capital crime. That's what they did in the Soviet Union. That is the direction all their hate proposals tend. Yeah. Okay. Bert Stundel is in the prison right now in Germany for, for essentially doing what we're doing. Yes, degree by degree. We still have a sort of a First Amendment. It's been curtailed in a number of ways, or it's been cut into through commercial speech. You can't say what you want in advertisements. And through civil rights law, it's been curtailed in Germany and most of Europe. They have overt prohibitions against speaking the truth about historical matters. The Jews only want you to take their line on. And in the Soviet Union, it was all the way to the point where they would kill people. They would execute them for talking against the Jews. And that's what they but, want But, but they're, they're walking human. You know, uh, Solzhenitsyn's book, too, still hasn't been, I guess, uh, translated into English. I mean, what is it, 200 years amongst us? And uh, when he chronicled the, the Jews who started up the, the Bolshevik Revolution, Again, it's, it, it will. I, I, it's my personal belief it'll come to this point because when enough guys uh, turn middle age and their families' uh, fortunes decline, as is going to happen with this gas, uh, you know, pool ball. It's just like a pool ball hitting, and one will hit the other, and it's going to have a reverberation. But if it comes to the point, as I say, again, guys, these guys have to walk. You know, they get out of their cars, they walk into buildings. Uh, <laughs> And if, if they don't think that people begin to yeah, figure it out, you just walk right up to them with a, with a nine millimeter on the silencer. It's going to happen. It's, it's well, just this, inevitable. This, I'm not saying we, we're discussing we, analytically what's yeah. going on, and it's just like look at look at Iraq today. Iraq, like Solzhenitsyn said, to paraphrase what he said, you only begin to win when you're willing to die. And we, whites are not at that point yet. Um, but we will but, get to that point. We are getting closer to that point, and Iraqis are at that point, and they're dying and they're winning. Well, in this country, if they ever do overtly criminalize shows like this, well, that's what will come after it is people simply uh, killing the Jews who are oppressing us. And yeah, the then it will be suffer. whites driving hundreds of miles to network with other whites who think as they do, and they'll meet in the house and they say, sure. we will do this. And there, there, there are a lot more whites than there are Jews, even though Jewish numbers are, are underreported. And if they, if they think we don't have it in us historically, you better look at history. Because uh, white people will take a lot, but when they get pushed over the uh, well, this is what this is what allows these these commentators, these neocons, these these political columnists, to write so glibly about 
you know, staying the course in Iraq. I make up lies and we go in there. And if, you know, half to Chris Hitchens was saying in a recent column, you know, he's calling it childish to, to insist upon the point that, hey, you guys lied about the weapons of mass destruction. You lied about the reason. He says you're a little baby whining if you talk about that. These guys are extremely arrogant, and it's arrogance born of feeling absolutely no real opposition. And, yes, I, oh, I absolutely believe the day is coming when guys like Hitchens are going to wake up dead. People are just going to hunt them down. We can't, we can't stand having their control over society any longer. They're simply using us against our own best interests, and we're not going to live as slaves in a Jewish dictatorship. That attitude is becoming more and more common as the Jews try to cramp, clamp down on legal dissent by calling it hate outlawing its expression. Remember, free speech is a white value. It's an Aryan value. It is not a Jewish value. Jews are inherent totalitarians. They want to control every aspect of society. They want to lie and make their lie stick because the truth has no outlet. Right now, we're, we're that outlet. We encourage you to join us. Listen to us. Tell people about it. Get them listening to Goyfire. Have a, have a discussion. Turn it on your radio and, and talk about it after you've heard us discussing it. Discuss it yourselves. We're no more than ordinary people making honest observations about what's happening, backed up by a fair amount of reading and a good deal of experience. Yeah, in inverse proportion as to what's occurring in this country now, things like New Orleans, this is, a, I, I think, the biggest part of the show we're doing today. Whites will wake up and we'll see the truth, and just as a matter of survivability, we'll have to react. We have no choice at some certain well, point. I when I say react, I don't mean violently, uh, certainly initially, and I'm not uh, at this point suggesting that we do that, but there will always be some who will uh, take various levels of action. It's always been thus, and it will continue to be, but as societal chaos increases, as we're at the hands of these non-whites, it can only get worse. Yeah, I'd like to ask uh, those of you who are listening to this who are on the fence or maybe you're conservative, how come you don't hear anybody talking like this on TV? There's a reason white people left New Orleans long before the flood, just like they've left every other major city. How come the, the view that leads people, the, the fears that lead people to leave cities that they feel are threatening them, how come that's never a legitimate point of view on TV? Ask yourself that question. Ask yourself about the framing. Who's putting together these shows? The subjects they allow debate on are not the important ones, they're the trivial ones. We here at Goyfire talk about the essential things, the things where the talk is most important. On our form, Alex, uh, someone posted about uh, having seen Tucker Carlson, and he said, we have some other footage, but we cannot show you because it's just too disturbing. It's too, yeah, see, see they, they treat you as children. You're, you're not allowed to see yourself being murdered and dispossessed and, and disrespected in your own country. You're treated as little children by the Jew-controlled media. You can debate over, you know, whether you, you know, the size of the flag you're going to wave in support of the Jew-instigated war, and that's about it. So you, you just go out and you buy your little made-in-China ribbons and you stick them on the back of your overpriced SUVs, and that'll prove that you're a good American, helping grow the economy and welcoming the latest Mexican who moved in next door with 25 others as, as your new American neighbor and friend. You know, be a fool. Or listen to us and be smart. Spread knowledge yeah. about what's going on, because you can see where things are headed as clearly as we can. Ask yourself why you're not hearing this normal stuff, this simple, factual observations. Why aren't you hearing that on TV? Ever. Why isn't one time, why aren't we told, oh, the blacks went nuts inside of the uh, sports dome and they were raping the handful of whites that were left there, and these British-Australian students were so intimidated they, they formed a 
perimeter to guard against the Negroes they thought were going to uh, going to attack them when the lights went out. Mm-hmm. Didn't go to sleep for over three days. Yeah. Why, why don't you? And, and, and the males, community? the males moved. The Aussie males moved to protect their the white Aussie women. That was yeah. really something. That's natural. It's beautiful to see whites protecting themselves. We have to get rid of this Jewish cover-up media that we have that keeps a lid on everything and expose the giant lie that races can intermingle safely, productively. Yeah, a lot of Americans think that just the lying is the only thing they do, but that's not the case. They actively suppress other viewpoints and actually are working towards legislation to throw people in jail, as they're doing today in Canada, for merely being against or oppose their multicultural programs. And that's Tomas Winicki you're referring to, and he's a member of VNNforum.com, which is now having, last couple of days we've had over 200 people on there, uh, many hours, and we encourage you to join, VNNforum.com. Join and participate and talk about this stuff. It's one of the Alex right now is is uh, changing TA3 to uh, reflect Hurricane Katrina and all these uh, happenings, and uh, we're going to distribute it in the South very heavily. Exactly where these things occurred, we'll be there. If, uh, we'll be the only people telling the truth down there, as far as we know. Yeah. Well, I just want to say uh, uh, thanks uh, for being in the studio tonight, Alex and Chain. Um, Thank you, Aegis. We, we covered a lot. Dan, thanks for making this show possible. Any closing statements? Uh, just a, a brief state of VNN. Uh, we're working on TA, as Craig said. Uh, we're going to reflect uh, Sheehan and the rest has been blown off the front by this storm and the things it's revealed, and it's going to be reflected in our coverage. The TA will, 3 will be out soon, and we encourage you to buy and distribute it. We encourage you to read our news at govnn.com. We encourage you to join our forum at vnnforum.com. Right. And to listen to Goyfire with your friends and discuss the things we are here and see if you think we're wrong or we're right and then get the word out. Yeah, yeah we appreciate the paleoconservatives uh, reading us. So we know you're there and we, we know you're responsive even though you're yet a little bit intimidated to participate. That's fine. We're glad you're there reading. That's a start. We are the good guys. And uh, till next time, America, this is Aegis wishing you the best of goodbye. Boyfire is a production of Vanguard News Network Broadcasting. The Aryan Alternative. News and views for whites you won't find anywhere else. The Aryan Alternative is a print publication of uncensored news for whites. Issue 2 is available now. Be the first in your neighborhood to distribute news without the Jews by ordering 100 copies for $12 through the Vanguard News Network. Visit GoVNN.com for ordering information. The Aryan Alternative and the Vanguard News Network. No Jews, just right. Vanguard Radio, for the precious 8%.